Greetings and salutations. You are listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CEDH. I'm one of your hosts, Lyndon, aka Noobzors, and today I'm joined by my co-hosts, Matt, aka Null. What's up? Reed, aka Sick Robot. Howdy, howdy. And Morgan, aka Spleenface. How's it going? And in this episode, we'll be doing a part two of our bandless discussion. Uh, so last time we talked about uh, cards that are already on the ban list that we think are worthy of unbanning, or at least you know worthy of discussion. Uh, and this time we're going to be doing the companion to that, which is the uh, cards that aren't on the ban list that we think um, could be put on. Uh, yeah. Uh, before we get into that, uh, what have you guys been up to since the last episode? You know, just participating in CDH tournaments and, you know, putting out results. <laughs> uh, who, just, even need, who needs to talk, discuss this? This is just, you know, like, whatever, you know, let's just let's just move on. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know won, won the largest prize pot, I think, right? Out of any CDH tournament so far. I, th- I think one of the big no, paper been... ones might have had a bigger one, but... Right. Was there, like, an underground scene oh, okay. or something? There was a uh, foil academy rector. Yeah. No, no, no. I was going to say in one of the other CDs. Oh, I, don't, yeah, I right, think yeah. Badlands was actually maybe the most expensive card. So, yeah, this might actually be the biggest uh, stakes for a CDH tournament. So that's that's kind of crazy. And I mean, OK, to be fair, it's like a team tournament. So like it's technically like a third of the size, I guess. But yeah, still there, total no pot value. <laughs> um, yeah. So this is the Nexus Super League that we've uh, discussed in previous episodes. The finals were on August 1st, uh, and we all took the same uh, Consult, Nas, Breach, Thrasios, Vile Smasher deck. It's an appropriate name, please. Ah, uh, yes, uh, which has been dubbed uh, Canadian Sans White Cheese Rush by the man, the myth, the legend, Redshift himself. And... Uh, Thanks to Reed being able to win with the deck, we uh, <laughs> took like down everybody the else on the team. Apparently, <laughs> to be fair, we're all in chat together. Yep, it's a, no, a three headed. It's a three headed game. <laughs> any specific credit for that? No, no, uh, no. Like it was that. That was a full team effort all the way through. Yeah, and, I, I was a full team effort from everyone on the podcast. I was there for moral support. You know, and he wasn't there. Don't wasn't even there for moral support. For I was. I was in. I was in Twitch chat for moral support. Nice. Um, I you said mean the that chat that none of us are allowed to read. I said. I said if if they didn't win, that we'd be ending the podcast. So I'm glad that. They- Yikes. <laughs> oh, phew, yeah. That was a check. I was not. I, I was not prepared High to cash. Stakes. So uh, <laughs> I'm glad that. Uh, we didn't have to cross that bridge, and they won. So, we also we ended the final game in uh, a pretty, we'll say, amusing fashion. Yeah. Uh, which was, yeah. Uh, there was a food chain, and infinite mana was made. And turns out, brain freeze is a pretty good card. <laughs> well, in okay. That situation so, for, for context. <laughs> Um, it turns out you can't really win the game when there's no cards left in your library when you're food chain. <laughs> food chain specifically, specifically. For, yeah, yeah, very specific. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can sure and Ukima can win yeah. the game there. Um, and so you know, making infinite mana to cast all your cast from exile creatures and passing the turn is a bit overkill. Where you could do that without casting things infinite times, but 
That being said, even if there are cards in your library, you can get rid of them with Brain Freeze. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think uh, maybe unnecessary of a shortcut, but ultimately it was in our favor. Works out. Though, I think we we were still looking at untapped untapping and winning i, th- I think uh, we were still winning that, that game anyway even if yeah. they didn't do that but yeah <laughs> yeah certainly we had cards in hand that were pretty good <laughs> nice yeah but all- otherwise yeah great experience nexus guys um did a really good job does does that make us the uh the, the most winningest, winningest the yeah. winningest the content winningest. creators like, like i've been saying for ages <laughs> i mean I think it has to, right? So well, if you so. count, so if you count all champ- of Reed's, if you count all of Reed's uh, wins in in uh, tournaments and in places, that, yeah. and then you just add another one of his wins. To, I mean, sorry, your wins, <laughs> really his wins to the belt. You know, it's like Reed, Reed kind of carrying the uh, the podcast. You know, I just. So I think the argument before was that like I think there were the overall success level of other content creator groups might have been higher, but now we actually just beat them all in head to head. So yeah, it definitely helps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no longer argument. Prove us wrong. One hundred percent of CDH tournaments I've entered, uh, I've won. There, Matt, undisputed champion. Um, okay, so you know we've stroked our own egos long enough. Uh, so without further ado, I'm just getting started. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can take more stroking. If you want to talk, uh, if you want to continue talking about my tournament results, I'm okay with it. If anyone, if any of our listeners want to stroke uh, Morgan or Ree's ego, you know, feel free to do that in uh, on, on our Discord server <laughs> on their own time. <laughs> yeah, but we'll set up a uh, channel for, for that. For those of us, for for those uh, listeners who would like us to get on with it, let's get on with it. Uh, yeah, I agree. So we've got uh, new developments. Um, we've got a first of all, uh, I guess Morgan, you since you went through all the effort, I won't <laughs> deny you. You the, basically uh, did all the engineering for this. So much yeah. effort. Yes. So I'm very excited to be announced that to announce that we have been accepted into TCG Players Affiliate Program, which means we now have a link that we can share with you, and if you buy cards from TCG Player using that link, uh, we get. A portion of that and it helps support the podcast which is pretty freaking awesome and it is that no additional cost to you and it is yes no additional cost so if you're gonna buy cards uh, which presumably as EDH players we wind up buying cards uh, you might as well uh, use one of those links and you know it really helps us out in uh, improving the podcast and so uh, yeah also that's... are you really gonna use like the command zones affiliate link Come on, man! They're they're swimming in it. They don't, yeah. <laughs> they, don't they don't need the help. Yeah, come on, give us throw us a bone with the. And just remember, link. if you also, use that link. link, I'll share the 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 abbreviated version of the story of the effort, which was we applied a while ago, and then they asked us for uh, information, like financial information, for them to make payments, which was like a bank account. There was an issue that I had to sort out at the bank, which is very inconvenient because they have limited hours and limited capacity because, I don't know if you noticed, but there's kind of a pandemic going on right now. You don't say. So so Mm. it took me a while. I finally managed to get to a bank and get it all sorted out. And I came back and I went, I finally got the information. You know, thank you for waiting. Here, Here it is. And then, like, a few hours later, I get a reply. 
we've actually been having trouble with direct deposits to Canada. Could we just use PayPal instead? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, if you told me that two weeks ago, (laughs) it would have saved a lot of time for everyone. But yeah, which brings us to our secret out there in the end. Yeah. So go and buy uh, all of your Power 9 and... uh, uh, you know, all your <laughs> expensive, a, uber expensive CDH staples on yeah, and, uh, using our affiliate link. So just, and on yeah. a completely unrelated note, I think I've actually been convinced that uh, proxies are extremely unhealthy for the format, <laughs> and everyone should make sure that they own all the cards that they play with. So uh, definitely, yeah. This, yeah, this just exactly. in: if Twister isn't in your deck, can you even really call it CDH? Like, come on, man. Um, but yeah, and then uh, next big development, uh, Reed, you can handle this one. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so recently, I guess not so recently by the time this is out, but as of today, when we're recording this, uh, the Deckless Database 3.0 was just released. Yay! Okay, claps. Yeah. Um, it looks great. It's a lot more user-friendly. Um, we're doing updates on the fly, so it'll, by the time this comes out it'll be even better than when we're recording this um yeah it's got a bunch of stuff on it um uh the deck's a lot easier to access um we're completely free of copyrighted material (laughs) um you can make requests for changes through the website now which is pretty great um the submit a deck feature is a lot easier to deal with and yeah just overall better uh, Reed, doesn't your website have the Discord logo on it? Free oh, oh, copyrighted material. Nice. My <laughs> to, be, to be fair, we're also using card images, but whatever. <laughs> it's, it's 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 about just sending it. If you just say that you're not using copyright, exactly. It's like at the beginning of those YouTube videos where they just say like everything here is not my own or whatever, and like that somehow absolves them of any liability. Yeah, it's like it's like, a, it's like declaring bankruptcy, right? Yeah, you have to declare bankruptcy. <laughs> I declare bankruptcy. There, see. The green mana is now evergreen, so that's that's oh, yeah, good. Dude, the, not seasonal the, anymore. The mana symbols on the side are actually way better than wizards. <laughs> I'm just gonna put it out there. They're actually kind of nice. Well, yeah, there nice. goes any chance of us ever getting a preview card. Reed. Thanks. <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Sorry, conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Go check uh, it. Let's jump into the actual topic, and just a reminder that is. The ban list cards that aren't on the ban list right now, but we think uh, should be on them, or could maybe we maybe do could be maybe yeah, yeah. Let's, cards we're, that we think are worth discussing for yes. sure. Um, and we'll just give a, a quick caveat to our list. We kind of want to uh, focus this list on just cards uh, that we think are worthy, and we're going to be talking about them from just a power level perspective. Um, and we're going to save. Uh, cards like uh divine intervention um and and kind of the the whole like maybe cards that should be banned from a philosophical perspective uh for like a future segment so you know stay tuned for whatever that happens mini episode follow-up piece whatever all that good stuff so while uh i know i have opinions on some (laughs) cards in the that we we were going to be discussing that i think could be discussed from that kind of perspective um we're just gonna i'm gonna keep you know, my opinions, and we're all going to keep our opinions regarding that to uh, minimum. Just talk about them from a power level perspective. 
And by follow-up episode, we mean presumably get drunk and have a late-night argument that we record. Because yeah, oh, it, might, it might not be like a, f- a standard run, run episode. It, back it might just a drinking be a, episode? Uh, oh my god. That would be that'd be great. Let's get philosophy smashed. and drinking. Oh god, that is <laughs> yeah. the worst combination. <laughs> and that is why I about? think Basking Rootwalla is the most egregious <laughs> card still allowed in the format. <laughs> Have you uh, ever heard the? I think it's a Monty Python skit, the the drunk philosophers song. No, no, oh, no. Okay. I'll check it out. Um, yeah, definitely give that one a listen. Okay, uh, so. First on uh, the list is a bunch of cards that, you know, or I guess I got a, a pair of cards well, that I, we it, think it are, are under perhaps... like a category. I think that's like a bunch of cards, right? But yeah. Yeah. So it, we've got we've got two cards that we're going to discuss kind of in tandem. And, and they're just cards that, you know, they're kind of like only see a bit of play and, and aren't really like staples of the format. They're pretty niche. Um, yeah, I, like some of the cards that we're discussing, like kind of the identity of the format uh, hinges on them. Um, but these, I think, would be pretty safe to say that, you know, people don't care a lot. Uh, and so those are, of course, uh, Mana Crypt and Soul Ring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that, that thing that teach you in math where it's like factoring out because like every single deck literally has a Crypt and Soul Ring. You can just <laughs> yeah. Yeah, make that easy stat. Right? And yeah, just oh, so add a little the, bit when more you go the deck database, there's just a, a like huge pair of parentheses and then a sword and a mana crypt <laughs> off to the side. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah uh, do any of you guys want to? I mean, uh, have any of you seen the, the uh, have you seen that? There's the playmat, right? Soul Ring, 98 more cards to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah true. Um, Sorry, what? Yeah. 97 so more to, cards to, to go? Kick things off with the Soul Ring mana crypt discussion. I'll kick things off with the Soaring Mana Crypt discussion. Oh, you'll kick things off with the Soaring Mana Crypt discussion? <laughs> yeah, I'll kick things off with the Soaring Mana Crypt I think discussion. Reed's responding to you kicking off with... <laughs> so, um, these cards uh, are very low cost and very easy to put in your deck and very easy to cast. And given those facts, they actually produce a disproportionate amount of mana persistently, um, which is advantageous in a lot of scenarios. Have you guys ever uh, heard of uh, the Power Eleven? Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly, so, it's, it's sort of just like the Power Ten because Time Twister isn't really a power card, honestly. Yeah, fair. I mean, Time Twister is only a power card when you have all the other power cards. Um, so yeah, obviously these cards provide a, like having them particularly in your opening hand uh, provide a massive advantage. Um, you are looking at potentially casting further car- like. Not just casting them on turn one, but potentially casting other development cards, especially with Crypt, where you can actually still have a colored mana from a land play. Um, played a game yesterday, turn one, land Crypt Rhystic Study. Oh, I was going to say that. Oh, that's, that's iconic. That is that is the yeah. iconic yeah. Um, Crypt play, turn one. But uh, even soaring yeah. into another Signet means that if you hit your land, you're untapping with five mana on turn two. The classic um, soul rings, uh, land soul rings, uh, talisman remora. That's yeah, I'm, I'm oh that my one too. god, yeah. So these <laughs> cards are they go in pretty much every deck. I think there's like one deck that doesn't run soaring on the database. Um, they produce just a massive advantage when you draw them. Um, they're very common tutor targets and they're very snowbally in what they do. Yeah. Um, so they're the argument is that such a 
a card that's so easy to play that gives such a disproportionate advantage uh doesn't really belong in the format well and also something that's so homogenous and like just takes up decks like two deck slots in every deck that you're ever going to play right like that's that's something that you look to ban card like that's an axis that you ban cards on in pretty much any other format right well i think one of the things that um that makes you know crypt and and solar ring such a compelling argument for me and so one thing that should be stated too unlike the moxon that we discussed on the previous episode uh where part of the problem is that they you know introduce kind of an asymmetry for colors um that's certainly not the case here so you know the, at least that ha- they have that going for them where every deck can run you know these powerful cards but but the the one thing that i i think asymmetry. is there there is and, and we can discuss that in a minute cuz i think that's like a lesser aspect of it. Um, but one thing you don't want to have your, your game be uh, like, that's just not fun. Is if it's decided by a coin flip, you know, the whole aspect of mulligans and, and, you know, first player not drawing a card. The, these are all to have it so that you're trying to balance the difference between the player going first and the player going second, because if it was like an overwhelming advantage that, you know, 75% of the time you go first, you win the game. You still because you're, you're going to go first 50% of the time, like the, the win rates end up bouncing out, but then it's just not really fun because it's very deterministic, right? And I feel like Crypt and Sol Ring really push um, that sort of angle where if you open your turn one uh, Crypt or Sol Ring, your win percentage shoots through the roof and it you, you just get a lot of um, kind of non-games that are, you know, the... It's really hard to lose when you go turn one cryptistic study. Or crypt like any three CFC card for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I guess one of the counterpoints, although this one I think has lost some credence in the current meta, um, but especially historically, uh, with the dominance of Dork based Thrasios Timna type decks, is that these do um the existence of these cards actually does provide a disproportionate benefit to non-green decks in particular. Yeah, that's which, sort of what I was getting at earlier with the hidden inequality. Which, like, is an important factor to consider. Um, I think it's less of an issue now, but especially during the Flash Hulk era... Um, Flash Hulk losing these cards would have been, it's like, oh, well, well, I guess we lost good cards. But I think that particularly for decks that were relying on Signets and also that were more focused around Ad Nauseum, things like Kess and Zer, um, losing Crypt and Soaring was actually like a much bigger blow to those decks. And at the time, they needed the help. Now, maybe you could argue that things like Timnacrom and Kess are actually positioned like well enough now that they can handle what I think is a disproportionate blow to them still. Um, but that is something to consider. And yeah, to me, like, like the thing is, it's, I, I, oh, sorry. it has yeah. elements sort of similar to Paradox Engine where it's good in a lot of decks, including really, really good ones but it also helps keep some archetypes in the format that might struggle to survive without them. Yeah, so the the way that I also like to think about this one and sort of like uh, portray the downside of banning these to people is like, if you think about it, like 
there are like every deck plays Krypton Soaring, but there are specific decks that tutor Krypton Soaring and decks that don't tutor Krypton Soaring, right? Like if yeah. if you're not in green, you're very likely to like turn one vamp for a crypt if you need the extra mana. Like it's it's a lot more likely that like you're just going to tutor for the mana acceleration so that you can keep up in the game. Whereas in there green are also decks that run Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, in green decks, you, you just don't need to do that most of the time because you have dorks and you can spend that tutor on like a combo piece or whatever else. Um, and it's yeah. like, so when you look at it in that lens, when you're banning Crypt and Soaring, you're banning like one or two cards out of a green deck, but you're banning like one or two cards plus an effective full toolbox option from another set of decks, which is the non-green decks. Yeah, like look at any deck that can that currently runs like collector for stony silence or null rod like those decks clearly don't need soaring and mana crypt um because they're running them even though they shut off their own cards um and that like those kinds of any list that can support that um would sort of shoot ahead in in the wake of a banning like this I don't think they they would shoot ahead. Like I, I think. Sorry, when I say shoot ahead, they would like they would benefit more. It's not like yeah, oh, yeah, they yeah. would become there, there, the, there the is clear. A, so, yeah, yeah that was yeah. too strong. Okay. It's, yeah, it's not a it's not a perfect banning these cards is not a perfect hit to every to every single deck, which I I think is you know kind of an obvious and fair point. Um, but I also I also think that any deck that if if we're talking about you know. Uh, banning soul ring being like paradox engine where you know you're knocking out a bunch of the lower tiers of the format i just don't think that's quite true and, and like even if it is so if you were to ban a card that's um you know so your, your soul ring is is supporting a deck um making your deck you know viable because you can sometimes open the nuts then i i don't think that's a just justification to uh like keep it around well but i think particularly in like ad nauseum and now peer into the abyss based decks i don't think it's just about opening the nuts like i yeah, think that's that fair. losing the density of fast mana makes nas a lot and harder to play losing the ability to tutor for a fast mana piece early that in order well. to hit your early nas or here so here's another sort of interesting obviously these two are very often talked about as a group um, but much like the meme of splitting up the Moxon and unbanning like Pearl or Ruby, um, do like, would you ever consider just banning one of them? In my mind, that card would be Crypt. Uh, yes, it has a drawback, but the fact that you can cast a spell with a colored mana cost on turn one to me makes it like just so much more snowbally than. Uh, than soaring is where you're oh i agree yeah like yeah, absolutely the number of hands where you play it and another like spell that costs more than one on uh where you get where essentially you get to take advantage of its acceleration more effectively on one like immediately like, same turn is yeah crazy yeah and and the fact it, it is also the card that's probably one of the more important pieces in the ad nauseum decks yeah. Um, where you're trying to, you know, ad nause, um, or let's say peer main phase, um, the ability to then play your crypt for zero mana and then start powering out a bunch of colorless rocks into maybe some colored rocks and then starting to get going like that, that start, that initial jump from zero to mana is massive. 
Yeah, there's, um, there's no worse feeling than having to tap a colorless, or sorry, a colored mana to play like a soul ring or a mana vault post Nas. Yeah. Just like, no. Yeah, definitely. I think <laughs> and, if I were forced into choosing one, of course, like in isolation, Crypt is definitely the one to, to pick. But I, I just don't see there being a discussion where like you consider more than that and just ban Crypt. Like, I think you really have to take the pair away. Like, I, at that point, I think you're really just looking at how the the set of rocks that aren't affected by summoning sickness like dorks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I think that that's a pretty reasonable take, that they're close enough in power level that really they should stay or go as a unit. I mean, maybe maybe it's actually a soul ring because, you know, in Vintage Cube, which uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure all of our listeners have been big into, you know, Soul Ring is the better card. It's tough. Dude, tough. 20 card forwards where you're liable to die to red aggro? Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> well, that's with life totals, am I right? Yeah. Imagine having a life total and it mattering. Um, okay, so I think that that kind of, unless anyone else has something to say on Mana Crypt or Soul Ring in terms of ban justification. Well, like, do we want to like give definitive good. verdicts on these? Because it seems like hard I would to like give to. a definitive answer. Yeah, we did that last time, right? Yeah. I'd like I'd like to just everyone gives their stance on you know ban leave it alone or, or whatever caveats because I know last time <laughs> a bunch of we, we had like a bunch of like weird caveats and things so yeah, that's just gonna happen so let, let let's let's kind of if if there's no more arguments to be made let's let's have everyone make give their final verdict. I mean, um, there's always more arguments to be made. That was <laughs> kind of a silly. Yeah, true. <laughs> putting my foot down. No more arguments to be made. Oh, uh, oh, was... now you're doing it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we have a list of cards, and our last episode went on for so so long. Yeah. Oh uh, god, I can't believe okay. we were naive enough to think that it was gonna we were gonna fit in this conversation as well. Um, but yeah, so uh, my verdict: uh, ban both cards. Uh, my verdict is ban both, with the unfortunate caveat of. Maybe I'll talk about this on the philosophy episode. <laughs> um, yeah. I'd say I'd say ban them, but I think right now, if you want to keep the format like you know, like CDH, uh, I like I feel like Krypton Soaring are like essentially a, like CDH cards. So like ban them for yeah. power level reasons, but keep them around for like format <laughs> identity and sentimental yeah. reasons. Read as the same answer. Format identity. <laughs> <laughs> Get forbidden out of here. words forbidden words hey it's, <laughs> this, yeah, this, this isn't a philosophy thing this is a optics thing this is a, oh this is very obviously cd <laughs> i don't know sounds pretty philosophical <laughs> to me okay morgan what's your verdict um, optical i'm gonna say leave unbanned um though i like i think that part of it has to do with uh how defining they are and sort of the diversity point that was raised earlier um but also i think that potentially some of the cards that create the biggest snowball effects off of crypt and soul ring uh, might be better band targets and these allow a lot more uh strategies than those cards that are particularly powerful when paired with an early uh crypt or soul ring Fair, and I just want to say for for my um, banning, I, I really do think that the most important part uh, for me, or that that contributes to my verdict, is just the amount of games that are essentially decided by if you open a Crypt or Soul Ring. Um, 
I think the less swingy and, and dice rolling the format is, uh, the better. So yep. next up, um, okay, Reed just wrote down for this category of cards <laughs> the classic bands. So I don't know what he means by that. I'll, I'll let these, him explain. These are the classic Reed's cards classic in the, in the band discussion. <laughs> these are like the classic hypothetical bands. I mean, there's definitely some other classic ones further down the list that are yeah. in other These are like these are like the, the basic ones. Sure. Okay. Uh, you know what? Let's, okay. okay. Let's just Re- reads basic, so let's go for it. Yeah. Um so, so I guess, first yeah, up, first... yeah, we we've got uh, Carpet of Flowers. Which really we could have just discussed with Mana Crypt and Soul Ring in terms of <laughs> yeah, so, okay, I agree okay, more yes. on that point than it being a classic band, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, but it like it's more there, there's another layer to carpet, right? Where like Mana Crypt and Soul Ring are just like the nuts sometimes. And like you open them, or like they're just like really good on a power level thing. Carpet of Flowers is more along the lines of it's very powerful, but it also gives like all of the power in the world to somebody who just wants to throw away the game <laughs> right yeah there's like it has like a really odd counterplay heuristic where unlike solar and crypt there is like counterplay um and then there's also decks that are incapable of participating in that counterplay because their mana base is like 70 plus percent well, and, and then there are also players who are i'm not gonna say incapable but like <laughs> who don't want to participate in that counterplay. I mean, yeah, there's true. Lots I think that's true like for that. a lot it's, of those it's cards. It's really on hard that to list, ask yeah. people not to play lands for sure. Um, yeah, so I, would, yeah, I think like, there's a, yeah, I think there's a, a, a slight difference between what you just said and what Reed says. Like, I think there are players that can definitely not play islands, but actively play islands because they just don't want to bother. Yeah. Which is sort <laughs> of what I'm getting at. It just, it gives, it gives a lot of, power to people who either don't remember that there's a carpet in play or don't care enough to just throw the game to the carpet player. Yeah. There, the one thing I, there I, is also the whole mono blue issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yes, I, yeah. I think, you know, regarding the mono blue issue and running lots of basic islands or whatever, I think there's, carpet kind of breaks a nice um, sort of kind of meta play around uh, back to basics, blood moon, and wanting to run lots of basics, you know, because you're sacrificing... Um, your ability to play Tainted Pact in a lot of decks if you want to play um, more basics um, to maybe, you know, spike some games with uh, with Back to Basics and, and all the, the non-basic land hate. But then Carpet is just... It just counters that so well, right? I've seen so many games where... Uh, uh, that, that I play with our, our uh, Urza player, uh, shout out to Keegan, uh, who... You know, he'll slam like a back to basics or winter orb or something, and it's it's like, oh well, you know, I've got this uh, great you know lockdown and, and lands and permanents, and you know, you're toast. And it's like, well, carpet of flowers. Well, I'm just you gonna know? put this mechanized production on a black lotus if that's cool, and then yeah, it's 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 just <laughs> it, it you can't. I, I I think with tainted pact and and the whole blood moon you know metagame dance that goes around having carpet just be such an easy out is is really unfortunate and it just gives so much power to green which really doesn't need it yeah yeah i was gonna say something similar like kind of in the same realm as the uh the soul ring debate where it helps the non-green decks like carpet is very much limited to being in the green decks uh 
would you rather okay ran would you rather um mox emerald or carpet of flowers be legal wait sorry and carpet of flowers being a red card no no no, no. i'm <laughs> no. saying you get to you get to pick you can you can ban mox emeralds or so you can ban carpet of flowers but you have to unban mox emerald do you oh unban mox emerald yeah, yeah i would unban mox emerald <laughs> yeah yeah. It really, it it really does just feel like um a piece of power, <laughs> like like a moxen exclusive to green, and that is and we we covered the problems with uh, having that kind of color imbalance, uh, with moxen and you know pushing people towards five color, but yeah, yeah. carpet of flowers, nasty nasty card. There is yeah. also just like I've mentioned this in other discussions. There's a huge like negative element to feeling like you lost the game to not to an opponent's superior play but to a mutual opponent's like poor play or not even necessarily poor play but just you lost because one of your other opponents did something that made the person who won win and how out of control out of your control that feels um isn't like a a great dynamic. I, I think that's I like I agree that it's definitely a feels bad, but I think that's just kind of par like that, that's something that's really hard to extract from four player free for all. But I feel like that I feel like, like there, there are cards, cards that, that, that specifically no, no, enable I, that to like very well. So I, I think that there's a difference between like if your opponent if one of your opponents sort of interacts at the wrong time, then like they instead of they could have taken your opponent from a winning state to a non-winning state and they failed to do so but you're the person who won did the work to put themselves in a winning state whereas cards like this and ones we're going to cover in a second allow an opponent to put another opponent in a winning state yeah i think, I think I it kind of boils down to there. there's like the storm scale and then there's the trade secrets scale <laughs> <laughs> and so you know i don't think these are a 10 on the trade secrets scale but you know they're the uh, carpet is it's certainly uh it's up there but certainly it's up not there. up there yeah. as much as the next two. Oh yeah for sure the next two are <laughs> um yeah so carpet uh verdict um i say ban uh, absolutely banned. Yes, ban. Considering we also That's need unbanned Mox Emerald to get this card banned, <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a ban. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Mystic Remora. So, Matt, do you want to kick Wait, off discussion? One problem, on this? though, I just realized I own a carpet of flowers, but not a Mox Emerald. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> dang, oh, yeah. Dang. TCG player affiliate link, remember. <laughs> okay. Uh,. Yeah, I'll try to capture as much as I can here uh, with Remora. Um, I think, uh, I mean, in my mind, uh, Remora really... What really stands out with Remora is the same argument we had with Carpet, which is um, how much it can benefit the, the, the controlling... The player who controls the Carpet... Sorry, the player who controls the Remora more than the other players in the game. Yeah. Like, I, I think you can, like, in my mind, you stop there, and maybe it's because I have all these experiences, negative experiences with Remora, but that just As seems like enough do. of an argument already. <laughs> yeah. I don't think and like... I think Remora is particularly problematic in four-player free-for-all in that you can't, like, the whole, there's, you know, don't feed the fish, and that's, you know, 
it's certainly the whole trade, you know, trade secrets kind of thing where it's like, well, if one person's just going to go all in, then sure. But when everyone is trying to act in their own um, best interest, you can't always just, you know, all agree to sit with the fish while, you know, the, um, you know, let's say the Zer player has a, plays a Mystic Remora early and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, the other people were able to power out Timnas. And it's like the, you know, some other deck may see Gitrog uh, or, or whatever. It's just sitting there like, well, I'm going to fall behind this, you know, Timna, these Timna players and just get buried in cards. And I'm going to lose this game unless I'm able to develop some kind of value engine. So like I'm priced into playing into the fish uh, in order to at least get myself on equal footing and have the best chance of playing. And then other people are like, well, you know, if he's playing into the fish, maybe I should be able to play into the fish, you know, to get myself uh, a little, a little, you know, step up. And there's, you get this kind of prisoner's dilemma of um, as soon as one person breaks it, then, you know, everyone's thinking of breaking it. And, you know, everyone's thinking that other people are going to break it on their next turn. So then they might as well break it now. And then and not the be fish player wins. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, and turns out Blood Moon doesn't stop that. <laughs> God, why are we dropping so much shade on this podcast? Can we just can we start up a drama podcast? Can we do drama alert? Drama alert! Oh yeah, CDH can we be known as the Keem stars of the CDH community? There is more. Th- <laughs> the CDH community has an, has an actually absurd amount of drama for no reason. It's. It's it's it a children's card game. It's just like, yeah, we're just going to have drama. <laughs> Why is it so vicious? Because the stakes are so low. <laughs> <laughs> because there's, um, there's no yeah. reason to be competitive, so... Yeah, I, although I, I do think that this is like, seeing as this card's never getting banned, I, I do kind of want to take this opportunity to uh, to talk to especially green players who feel like they should be allowed to feed the fish because the non-green player did. Um, that's like... You can certainly put your opponent, your particularly your non-green here's, opponent, under Here's the fish. translation. You're dumb for doing that. <laughs> yeah. Like, if you... If there's a turn one on the play fish, and you play turn one dork, turn two timna, and then a person who doesn't have timna in the command zone and also doesn't have dorks in their deck... I don't know, plays a signet on turn two. You saying, well, they fed the fish, so I get to feed the fish, doesn't make sense because they fed the fish because they were unable to develop otherwise, and you weren't able, you weren't unable to develop otherwise, as evidenced by the dork and timna that you have in play. And so using that as a justification for everyone to feed the fish doesn't make sense, and you should make sure that you're considering the situation that your opponent was in if they didn't feed the fish when you evaluate what you should be doing about the fish. Okay, I've got a simple flowchart here, okay? It's 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 <laughs> and, the it's the and, pay and the fish flowchart. So is your play better than drawing a card for a fraction of one mana? Yes or no? And then it's always no. So <laughs> <laughs> No, I see I, I, I actually disagree. I think there's plenty of times where like as the Get Rock player, like I'm I'm trying to win. Right? I'm not trying to not lose to my opponents. I'm trying to win. And you know, I you try and be as conservative as possible without putting yourself in a you know complete losing position because when people are playing Thrasios and Timna, like they have solid plays that don't feed the fish and that are value engines and they're just prepared to take the game long um and sit there and draw, you know, two or three cards a turn. And you 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 can't 
you will not win. It's it's between you know the fish player, the Thrasios Timna player, and you will not make it. Uh, some hands. Now, if you have something like a Priest of Titania and you can just play your Gitrog, then you know certainly don't feed the fish. But if you need to go like Vamp Tutor into like Mana Crypt, sometimes sometimes it'd be like that. So, Lyndon, have you ever considered that maybe? Uh, the metric of how well your deck plays into a fish should be part of deck selection. <laughs> I mean, are you just saying that everyone should play Thrasius and Timna all the time? Yes. Because you know, <laughs> like, sure. If that's if that's the argument you want to make, then I can't dispute that Thrasius and Timna is a better deck. But hey, I dude, enjoy or, playing the format or, for hey, fun. Dude, you could just play you Yusan. Know? Yusan plays great into a fish. Um, like I said, I'm trying to have fun. <laughs> but I, I do, and he did also say he's trying to win. So uh, yeah, uh, uh, I do. I shade. do think though that this uh, this does illustrate. Like I've sort of heard a lot of people essentially make not exactly this explicitly, but an argument that implies that really the only issue with fish is poor play. Um, but these discussions that we're having, I think, also serve to highlight that it's very easy for the game to be in a situation where someone is faced with feed the fish or fall so far behind that they're extremely unlikely to lose. Um, and so even with quote-unquote perfect play, um, it's still an insanely powerful effect in a huge number of games. It's also kind of weird, whereas if you're not, like, like let's say you're not playing Thrasius and Timna, and you're, you didn't, you're, like, the fish player is something like, um Kess, okay. So Kess plays an early an early fish, and then you're just letting your let's say two Thrasios Timna opponents go ahead with the game. Like at some point you're like you're kind of looking um to maybe the other players, Git Rock player, and saying, you know, like, you know, are you gonna fall behind and lose this? Because I know I will, unless you also, you know, start trying to catch up and then feed me and allow me to get back into this game. In, in some ways, it is almost kind of like daring everyone else to like you, you like you're throwing the game to the to the decks that can play under this fish um unless other people are willing to you know play into it just just something to to think about anyway i think all of our verdicts are pretty pretty obvious on this one yeah yeah we have a, it's, a, it's the same answer but like there actually is i think there are quite there are like so many dimensions to this band yeah, so uh, everyone's verdict. Yeah. Uh, I think this card is just fundamental to the identity of the format, and uh, it's just not CDH without <laughs> yeah. it, you know? And I mean, I mean <laughs> every, dude, everybody in the format's invested into Mr. Kimura's. The amount of financial damage that would be done by banning it is just too much. <laughs> I mean, what about everyone's favorite Friday night streaming group, the Mystic Grimoras? What are they going to do? <laughs> Actually, oh my god, imagine I've, having actually, a non-CDH I've, I've switched my position, let's ban this just to make them rebrand <laughs> I mean, we're, yeah. we're named after a card that has seen zero CEDH play, so I think they'll be fine <laughs> In fact, a card that was banned for being too good would be a great a great name in that case But uh, yeah. Dude, good thing we didn't call ourselves the Paradox Engines <laughs> 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 Must have been on the list It must have been yeah. Yeah, ban. Ban it. Ban. Nuke it. Morgan? I said ban. Oh, sorry. Shoot the blue guy. Shoot him in the head. Blasted from orbit. Okay, uh, Reed, you, you got the next yeah, card? Yeah, sure. This is like uh, Mystical Wait, Mor I'm seeing double. Wait, are you sure we didn't just put 
This card on is it's just Mystic Remora <laughs> again. Yeah, it's it's the, the diet version. Wait, sorry. Let me get my glasses. Oh, is it okay. the diet yeah, yeah. version? I don't think it's not. It's exactly the diet version. <laughs> it's the what? The second flavor? It's cherry Mystic Remora. Exactly. There you yeah. go. <laughs> In case it's not obvious, the card is Ristic Study. Yeah. So this one's like. You know how like late game remorse are worse than early game remorse in a lot of ways? Cause like Hold on, Reed, can I just stop you for a second? Do you pay the one? <laughs> just <laughs> just checking. Yeah. Uh, I, I won't yeah. say the one, but you're gonna pay the two for the smothering tithe. Oh, yeah. let's, let's ban it just <laughs> because of how obnoxious it is to be asked every at least with remora it's just such a high price You're, that yeah, it's, we, you never we didn't even acknowledge that we, yeah we yeah. didn't even acknowledge that it's just it default draws your opponent's card. It, yeah, I mean, you know, you know, you know, I have paid for Remora. You're never asking if they're paying for Remora. You're asking if the trigger resolves before you draw. Yeah. <laughs> you're just like, can I draw? Yeah. Can I draw? It's not asking if you're paying. It's asking, are you doing anything before I take this draw? Uh, yeah, so Risk has like all the same issues as a, as a Mystic Remora, except like... It doesn't go At away. At least it applies to the green decks. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't go away. It applies to the green decks. So it just, it gives, and also the whole thing is that like you can pay for it, which means that like two people are going to pay for it and then one person's not going to pay for it and you're still going to end up with the same issue. <laughs> yeah, I think this also is like, it's obviously not to the same degree as um, limited resources, but there's like, a super feel bad about like what the people in front of the Ristic Study player get to do versus what the people behind them get to do. Where like if particularly turn two Ristic Studies, which is like a very common time for it to be coming down off the back of like a dork or one of the one mana fast mana rocks like Mox Diamond or Chrome Mox, um being able to uh, cast, say like a dork and a Thrasios on turn two puts you massively far ahead or like a dork and a tutor or whatever versus if the second player in turn order slams the Ristic study, um, you, like the people behind them are faced with this, like either I'm feeding them a bunch of cards or I just am put at this massive disadvantage from like, even compared to someone who didn't, even compared to someone who didn't have to play the Ristic Study. Like, they just got to develop and you don't. And that's, like, extremely punishing in terms of turn order. And I think that that's one of the contributors to the disparities we see in win rates based on turn order. Yeah. Also just the fact that, you know, there's no drawback to going first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's something that, that's that you know, maybe we should save for another episode in terms hey, of man. potential hey, hey, hey. changes and stuff. If you go but... first, your Carpenter Flowers doesn't produce mana. Yeah, and if, if your land is Exotic Orchard, uh, it's so awkward. Uh, so ter- Dude, you can't even put a Gemstone Caverns into play on turn one? Uh, Come zero on. Of ten. Yeah, it all, it all comes out in the wash, right? Yeah. Um, so, Ristic Study is one that I find... You know, you talked about, I think, Reed, you said uh, late game Remora is bad. And I, I kind of just disagree. 
I think Remora is good pretty much at all no, points no, in the no, game. I'm whereas Ristic Study, I'm saying it's like, terrible it's worse to play to see against. A late game like it's like Remora. the like I you hate seeing late game Remoras because they're just oh, the yeah, worst yeah, to play it's, against. It's there for okay. Like yeah, when yeah, they yeah. have six mana and they play Remora, yeah. and you're like, this is going to be in play for the next four turns, and they're still going to have mana to play the game. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say because Remora, your ability to to pay for it is just almost it's just not happening for like ninety percent of the time. Not. 90 is low. 98% of the time, you're not paying for a Remora. So, and even in the late game. Whereas Ristic Study, a late game Ristic Study, there is um, there is play, right? There is, you know, do I pay for it, blah, blah, blah. And most of the time, people can pay for it. And it just becomes um, like an asymmetrical tax, which, you know, that's good. Um, but you're not going to have the, the problem of development necessarily right people can play for it and they get to just be more judicious in how they uh what what spells they're casting and how many spells they're they're playing and it acts as a stacks you know effect against people trying to storm off and go for the win and you know what i i like those aspects of ristic study now obviously i agree with the problematic aspect of it in the very early turns when people have already had the chance to develop uh you know you've played your timna and then you can just you know sit there drawing cards for the rest of the game without you know committing to playing spells and drawing the Ristic Study player cards, whereas, you know, decks like that that need to play more spells in order to maintain their value are just, you know, disproportionately punished. But I think overall I'm fine with Ristic Study, even given those cases, because I, I kind of like that that thing because it is there is some actual play and it's not just the whole Remora sitch. It, it's interesting yeah. it's interesting how you like that you said that you like the fact that it's like a pseudo stacks piece against certain uh, decks because I really don't like that. And like, yes, oh, really? I've played Food Chain in the past and playing against Ristic Study was extremely frustrating. But like, I think that given how strong the card is, like, if Ristic Study was capped at like, I don't know, two cards per turn, that would not affect the playability of the card in any meaningful way. Right? Does anyone disagree with that? I think it, I mean, I think at two cards per turn, it's it's hard to say that because it's, you're not usually drawing two cards per turn, right? You're usually drawing off of one person requiring to to play, you know, a bunch of cards in, in a single turn, right? Or fighting, or drawing cards off of counter wars. When, right? Like, I, I always find Ristic Studies don't tend to be, like, I'm drawing a card every turn. Or, okay, let's say three right? cards, three cards a turn. I think that just adds an unnecessary element to this argument because then now we can now we can think about the opportunity cost of letting the study player draw three cards in order to unlock your turn. Sure. I don't think the primary purpose of Ristic Study is to be a stacks piece. I think the primary purpose is to be an advantage. A draw engine. Yeah, a, yeah. a draw engine or your opponents are being taxed, not like a hate piece that shuts out certain combos. And the fact that it incidentally does shut out certain combos, I think is like, I think that that is, you should either shut out a deck from winning or be a really good value engine. I don't think you should do both yeah. on the same card. Also, because yeah, again, yeah, having both qualities uh, in the same card also just like exponentially increases the throw factor, <laughs> like the trade sequence factor on a card. Because like it's, yeah, it's just a lot more likely that somebody goes for a win through the thing that generates your advantage and they don't get there and it's like, oops, well. 
rather than yeah, just like it's, like justifying it's like trying a hard to. it's like a hard stacks piece against like food chain but it's yeah. like a soft stacks piece against like breach combos yeah uh where you're gonna draw yeah. like 20 cards and then yeah it's i think i, I agree with it you know the, the throw factor is much higher but i think also when the throw factor is higher the problem with trade secrets is that there is no there's no skill in trade secrets but a lot of cards that that increase on the trade secret scale um like knowing when to go off with the ristic study and you know that that i think is is a skill that there is some skill involved with that and playing around ristic study um and and i i and i like those aspects that that it brings although definitely when games just get thrown to ristic studies and cuz someone's like just goes to size someone plays a ristic study and someone's holding up a bunch of mana and there's a adnals player or something and they're just trying to storm off main phase it's like oh god why are we doing this right now yeah I, right? I don't hate the skill testing aspects i just think that the balance is off in terms of how first of all how easy it is to force people to have to feed it and then the cost versus how bad it is like or like how effective the card is even when it's not being fed and how potentially massively advantageous it is when it's being fed like i think all of the factors on that card give it an extremely favorable uh or or like ex- look extremely good even in isolation and like i think that that combined is what makes the card too strong in my view um, also, can we just appreciate the fact that this card wasn't, like, a staple for a while in CDH? People thought this card was, like, too slow or just not good I mean, enough? it sort of is still too slow in some formats and some metas, but, like, yeah, I mean... I mean, I don't know that it is, because the faster a meta is, the more likely it's winning by casting a That's billion fair. fucking spells. I guess, I guess the reason might have just been that, like, Flash was a thing. This was before... Like yeah. Fish Hulk before the, Fish Hulk, like I think it was like two or three years ago when you were like Ristic Study. Wow, that's a spicy piece of tech in your deck there. Holy moly, uh, it's just just was wild. It? I don't know. I well, okay, yeah. One of the things know. we have seen is uh, reasonably like there are a lot like more fast decks picking free... up. Well, no. What I was actually going to say is there's a lot more free interaction. Oh, sure, that too. But which, also which. Hmm hugely increases the power level of these cards where it's like i can tap out and play this and then like my opponent still has to respect that i like have the potential for this that's true we've we basically doubled right the the amount of almost no as more than doubled the amount of like solid free interaction so we used to have two uh now we have i mean mean, we really only used to have one because pact is not like so now we in, in the question like of maybe misdirection maybe now we misdirection have but that card wasn't seen guardianship force negation but also like against certain combo like force of vigor still beats food chain. yeah sure um and sort of yeah breach, like, depending on what you have yeah yeah um that's, think, a, that's an interesting point but yeah yeah let's i put think it to, let's put it to a, our, our verdicts yeah. i think right We're, we've said a lot about this card yeah. so uh my verdict um i think ristic study can stay but you know i wouldn't be bent out of shape to see it go i think it should be banned but i'm leaning towards um you know there being a possible argument because um kind of along the lines of like there being a, a 
a bit more of a skill factor than comparatively to like Remora, for example. Uh, I'm happy to see a ban. I'm definitely in favor of a ban. And I just want to say on the like one other thing that I think creates an unhealthy dynamic is that it's a card that punish like it's a it's a greedy card. The whole like I'm going to tap out and develop a value engine is like a greedy line of play. And this is a greedy line of play that punishes the decks that are trying to get under people making greedy lines of play. Which I think is, like, if people had to tap out for value engines that weren't stacks pieces against Food Chain, then maybe Food Chain could punish them for tapping out. But now it can't, because this is also a stacks piece against Food Chain. And similarly with, like, really fast, typically Breach or Nas-focused decks. Okay, next up we have Sylvan Library. Um, and this is my turn. I don't know. Yeah, do we need all, single people? All, I think <laughs> it's not like we're reading out the yeah, card decks, right? <laughs> um, so Sylvan Library, obviously, you know, one in a green, drawing basically two extra cards per turn and, and getting to stack your library without paying the life total to, you know, if you can shuffle things away with fetches. And it's just so free and so strong in in like even when its mode of drawing cards is turned off it's still live especially for card selection especially in a in the color that's not supposed to have card draw it's like one of the most powerful card draw engines wait yeah. what i think Gr- that's green has like an insane amount of card draw what are you talking about yeah, but it's not like green it's card draw is not like a primary mechanic in green no it's not it's primary in blue and Black to a lesser extent. Yeah, it's like tertiary. I draw more green. cards in my green decks than any. Yeah, other I deck. know because I, they I, keep I draw. Fucking yeah, I mean, but green's also just rich cards. Expertise, a pretty strong all color. The, I okay. I I don't. I don't. There's is, yeah, but, is it is that really know, okay? The, let's, the whole, without yeah, okay, okay, sorry. But the whole green thing is typically tied to creatures. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah okay, you have to do you have sure. to do work for it, and you have to have creatures in play in some form or another to make it work. Yeah, it doesn't get unconditional yeah. card draw. Green is not okay. supposed uh, yeah, to get yeah. unconditional card draw. <laughs> the only unconditional card draw is like harmonize, which is definitely a, a color. Uh, and well, that's definitely that's a color, color pie break, break considering it was yeah. in the whole set of thing where they did color pie breaks, <laughs> and it's like literally a clone of a blue card. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, like it's um, it's just like it's it's so powerful, and it's a color. It's in a color that shouldn't have this effect. <laughs> like silver library should be a black card. Absolutely, it's like better for X <laughs> yeah, Arena it, it to seems like, like turn turn to the max. Yeah, also it's yeah, like a reasonable think... compromise for a lower mana cost for a Phyrexian Arena. Like it, it's pretty much that. I also don't even know that like either. I mean, green definitely shouldn't be like rearranging the top cards of its library. Um, yeah, yeah. But that's also not the only green card. Yeah, that it's does the whole It's like Miri's Guile is just a thing. <laughs> Five sure. color green. That's really what we're, we're taking away from this discussion is that green is every yeah. color, right? They just get everything. There's nothing that green doesn't have. So it just, who cares about color pie consistency, really? I think uh, if the format weren't so, um, or if it, w- it weren't as easy to be in many colors, that Sylvan Library would be a bit less of a standout for me. Like if I, if I were seeing two color green decks playing Sylvan Library and doing amazing amazing things with it, I wouldn't be quite on the I want to ban this card than, than I am now. I also think also, like, uh, there are a lot of ways that like the format could be different enough where Sylvan Library becomes not as good. Like if if damage or just like 
burning people out a bit or just doing 20 life format or yeah. perhaps if it wasn't quite as easy to shuffle your library yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i was i was gonna say like honestly i mean this is we this is for later uh but if yeah if there weren't fetch lands then i'd be a, a lot happier with the sylvan library just as it stands it just does too much work <laughs> Yeah, it's just it, it the synergy between having to pay life into library and just Timna having lifelink. It's a bit. It's a bit. It's yeah, a bit. Okay, much for the no, format, no, I, you know? I don't think that's. I don't think that's anything. <laughs> GR eight B eight M eight. But I think yeah, um, it's just too good. Yeah. Just has too much stuff. Just generic, overpowered card. Also, okay. I mean, giving you draw for turn, and then before you get the rest of them being able to tutor, that is just. Just too good. Yeah. Just giving you Make the sure, extra that's, draws. That's definitely a level up player, a level up moment for a lot of uh, CDH players is when they figure out they can do that. I've <laughs> I've pointed that out to like a lot of people who I would have assumed knew that. Like it's, where it's like you could draw and look at the card and then cast it if it's a vampire. The tutor. issue is, is oh. it's it's sort of this burden of knowledge thing though, because like uh, then you're just like, okay, well I always have to check the top card first and see if there's something that I want to cast, and then I'll pick up the other two. Instead of just grabbing three and putting them into your hand. True. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's too much more to say about yeah. it. It's not exactly a complicated card. Uh, so, verdict. I mean, I it's think... a very complicated card <laughs> as soon as you start interacting with anything else that affects draws, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the classic chains of Mephistopheles, Sylvan Library. Oh, oh, yeah. Everyone's favorite. Uh, yeah, so, ban. I think I think yeah, banned Sylvan Library. I don't think it does anything particularly interesting in terms of skill. Uh, just a very strong card for very little drawback. I'm like seventy percent ban, thirty percent. Uh, it compares well to and power level to other cards. Yeah, I'd be glad for a ban. Uh, I don't think it needs to be banned. I think that the four life is relevant. And it is also, like, you have to get at least through two upkeeps before it's even, like, a particular, like, two mana, eight life, draw two cards is not a good card. Um, so we're looking two turns down the line. Two mana, take 12, oh, sorry, take, uh... 16, uh, draw four. Yeah, 24. Uh, yeah, take 24, draw, draw six. Seems, uh... He's pretty good, man. I mean, 24 life is a real amount of life. And I like, guess, yeah, with Ad Nauseam, there's consideration, who, certainly. Without, even without Ad Nauseam, people who, without thinking, take 24 damage from their Sylvan Library die in games with a reasonable frequency, at least from my experience. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Dude, especially especially with uh, Mana Crypt, man, you just you get your early Mana oh, Crypt. Oh, dude, that's the classic. What happens is you take you fetch like, shock, of course. Yeah, you, you fetch, you play a shock, you cast a vamp, <laughs> and now your opponents have to deal ten damage. You get like, you know, a Timna Dunger comes in early. Someone plays like a a beefier commander, and like like you take like a hit from Gitrog or whatever. And then talking, they yeah. activate their Alsor Shepherd and swing in for fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> Your son gets up to crater hoof, man, or you just die. <laughs> yeah, pretty typical Sylvan yeah. Library hand. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. uh, those are fair points. Fair yeah, points. like I think uh, it, it puts you in damage range just as the draw becomes too much. 
Yeah, but I think the fact that it's still persistent as a value engine or like a nice selection engine after the fact yeah, is still... Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't hate it, if, it if you like didn't get to look at the three cards unless you were paying the life or some, you know, formulation more like that I think would be healthier. But, yep, yep, yep. Uh, next up, Morgan, you can get this one. Sure. Uh, this one is Dockside Extortionist. The card that... Feels like it was designed for 1v1 magic, and then they didn't consider how much better it was when you had three opponents, and then you yeah. realize it was in Commander. <laughs> so why... Can somebody, uh, can somebody explain to me why this isn't a way bigger problem than casual? <laughs> I think just because... Well, first of all, it's unlikely to make... like, It's unlikely to make as much mana as early... And yeah, I guess I don't know. Like casual decks, right? When someone makes seven mana in a casual deck, they slam like a seven drop fatty creature. But like, it doesn't just make seven, right? Like, I feel like by the time you're casting a dockside extortionist in casual, like you cast a dockside extortionist on turn whatever six, you're getting like upwards of ten mana pretty consistently, right? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know how the the RC talked about you know you got to ban prime time because people are just abusing it with you know clones. Yeah, and I flickers feel like it's the same thing, like it's, right? Right. It's, it's, <laughs> I mean, we're having that problem in CDH. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like people are just playing phantasmal images because it's like, oh yeah, I'll take your dark side. That's fine, <laughs> dude. But are they playing Mask of the Mimic? <laughs> Snap dark side, my god. Um, yeah, and, so, and adding on to the fact that it's. A consistently absurd ritual. It also combos with a bunch of other things and makes infinite mana. Yeah, it is not like ideal. It'd probably be nice if it did one or the other. It's like so. so it's sounding pretty the bad. Argument, but the there are points it. Yeah, for it. It's I like think. red. <laughs> it's red. Like two, it's two red. years ago, <laughs> or even like a year ago, I guess. Red really needed the help. Like really needed the help. <laughs> And then it got Deflecting Swat, Dockside Extortionist, and Underworld Breach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it certainly did. You know, honestly, I am fine with this card. Like, given the context, we talked about cards that are very strong for green, very strong for blue. Um, you know what? Maybe red is allowed to have this. It's... I mean, so without like, I, if let's say Crypt and Solring were out of the format, right? Yeah, that would also help a lot, yeah. and yeah. potentially some of these other like carpet and and like all the cards we've talked about up until now. All the cards we've talked about up until now form a substantial portion of the artifacts so, and enchantments that are in the average CDH. So list. yes, but like this is bleeding a bit and sort of tipping our hand a bit. But I think it's a relevant point. Um, having played a fair amount of Conquest where all those cards are banned and Dockside was still legal for a while, it still got to the point where Dockside got banned because it was just but too good. The power level of that format is also a lot sure, lower but than I'm just saying, like, CDH, it's even without the having, cards having that, played, we banned everything we just discussed. Having played a Dockside deck in that format, it was still making too much mana even with all those cards banned. Like, it was still, like, on turn three, it, but was, it was making, making, like, six mana. Okay, that wasn't my experience playing with the card. This is why Reed wins all of our games. Because he's always making six mana off the dog side. But I think I think also, yeah, like it 
the technical floor on this card is obviously zero, but like the actual floor is still yeah, like it's real much high. too high. Like you're you're never gonna sit down in a pod and be like, shit, this card's not gonna like work yeah. in the way that like you play Clasms and then you're like, oh well, I guess none of my opponents are playing dorks or like like you're still looking at you know when when this card was spoiled, I said. One in a red sorcery, make three treasures, it would go in some decks, not in all decks. One in a red, make four treasures, would go in most decks. And, like, though making three treasures is obscenely consistent with this card, and, and four is, like, also... Reasonably consistent, yeah. Reasonably consistent, unless you're, like, early in the turn cycle on, like, turn two. Yeah. But don't you what? like the yeah. fact that this is like a, a bane of progress against like smothering ties <laughs> or other dock sides? Dude, the whole dock side metagame of cracking playing your dock side to make other people crack their treasures is just that's the that's the peak peak of skill in CDH. No no no, no no you don't you don't understand. You play the oof, so they can't crack their exactly. treasures. Exactly. Then you exactly. play your dock side. <laughs> Sorry, can we get just can you just this that's a legitimate play, especially especially if you're on Baron or Demon. Oh, I know you've done it to me a lot. Like, that's like, actually well, a real play. <laughs> yeah, no, and then you sack the oof to bounce the dock side with your Baron. Actually, the the, and then... the the better version of that is actually with a smothering tithe in play because they just keep amassing treasures and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you yeah. were talking about the sorcery example, and I'm like, but Dockside is just infinitely easier to combo with. Yeah, yeah. it's also a sorcery I mean, well, version. Actually, now that Breach is a card, I don't know that that's but, I mean, as it, true. It's yeah, infinitely that, easier that's a good to point. Tutor, which is also a big one. Yes, yes, it's very accessible. But that also is a plus, I think, for Dockside, because if you're playing green and red, you're not playing Thrasios Timna. <laughs> and green is, generally speaking, a good way of tutoring for Dockside. Yes, that Dude, is, yeah, that I, is true. I like the then making giving reasons to not play threats yeah it, so that's the upside of this card right it's like red obviously needed the help in a lot of areas and getting us away from thrust timna is really nice <laughs> and imagine if we ban every single card we just discussed it's not like thrust timna is all of a sudden unplayable. So, yeah and I, <laughs> in fact it arguably arguably they're they're uh better because their generic value plan is better than almost everyone else's that is so. sort of my yeah it's sort of my verdict on this one though is that like i think like dockside extortionist is further down the list like i don't think you ever ban dockside before you ban any of the power cards from like green or blue or black for that matter Agreed. yeah um i uh, like i can see the argument in that it's um i think it has a tendency to create this sort of instant like Obviously, Crypt and Ring are, are very swingy cards, but the swing on Dockside is instant. Um, whereas, like, I think that you don't play Soul Ring and then more or less immediately win the game in the same way where there is an opportunity for your opponents to go, that person has a Soul Ring, they're pretty far ahead, and so, like, you know, we should sort of be focusing on them a little bit. Um also the fact that like soul ring can be removed and like decks can set themselves up to try and keep a lot of the fast mana off the board in a way where like dockside it's already made the mana once it's in play torp orb 
Why is nobody playing Hushbringer? Come on. Because <laughs> oh it's, my gosh. it's just, it's so hard to actually <laughs> break Barry down. Because everyone's playing console. It's the same argument. <laughs> also, just sorry, while we brought up Krypton Ring, um, when I mentioned potentially not banning them if other cards that, uh, like, if other cards were banned, I was referring to things like Mystic Remora, Rhystic Seti, Sylvan Library, and to a lesser extent, Wheels are the cards that in my mind most let you snowball the advantage of a early crypto yeah. soaring into um and so taking a decent chunk of those out might make the cards less snowbally though i think dockside that that's something that doesn't apply to dockside in the same way where you have to take out like so many things because you can just play dockside into like ad nauseum or, or dockside like, some sort of breach yeah. combo or just like play your two mana combo play or a, two card combo play like a consecrated sphinx off of it and just be like yeah, okay exactly. yeah here have it okay um verdicts i think i'm fine with dockside staying um i yeah, like the whole giving things to it's red like a necessary part and of i think the it, red it incentivizes right a lot of like if dockside is so strong it incentivizes a lot of cards to be um like maybe playable again like if people are doing dockside things it's like oh maybe um null rod effects or can make a yeah. comeback or you know maybe people want to play artifact enchantment sweeper seeds of innocence uh, uh maybe i mean uh, dockside um, <laughs> doesn't have like like Darkside is a non-zero counterplay to it, right? Like you can just play decks yeah. that don't put yeah. a lot of instances or enchantments and artifacts into play. You can play null rod effects. You can play torpor orbs. Like there are things to be done against Titania song. Yeah, I think I think we've seen a big <laughs> yes, Matt, we've yes. seen a big upswing in these cards in in like Darkside breach decks in the last couple months, and I definitely I don't think that we've arrived at sort of. Uh, stable meta with counterplay to those sorts of strategies and i would want to see what that look looks like before saying that i think this card needs to be banned uh yeah i think i'm in a similar boat um with the caveat that i haven't necessarily decided whether dockside extortionist is kind of acting as the batman or the harvey dent in this, <laughs> in this argument it's still unclear to me <laughs> Like what? Yeah, yeah. I, I I said I'm in favor of keeping it around. Just it's um, it's a necessary part of red right now. Um, and I think it's like it's a necessary part of red being a balanced color, like a balanced color choice in the current format. Yeah, like I, I just wanted to mention one of our friends, uh, Zach, who I've been playing with a bit recently, has a sort of grindy uh, Thrasios Timna deck that he managed to fit a collector roof into and that has certainly like that first of all the deck doesn't run like an absurd number of artifacts and enchantments in the first place and then you have like some actual anti-artifact stuff that like makes sort of the the meta that a lot of people seem to be experiencing of like i use the three treasures you didn't spend on your dock side to make my dock side even bigger and then like ah well i'll phantasm limit your dock side and then i'll like it's not all just everyone's playing a ton of artifacts enchantments and dock sides and feeding each other's dock sides like there are very viable decks with real counterplay options okie dokie uh next up we have uh 
Oracle of no, sorry, not all. I was gonna say, I just we yeah. have an Oracle written down, and I was like, just auto completing my head. Yeah, Thassa's Oracle <laughs> and uh, uh, Tainted Pact and Demonic Consultation, kind of like all in a bundle. And uh, I guess Matt, you can uh, start things off for for this discussion. Sure. Uh, this bundle is known as the Consultation Bundle, I guess, and it is, um. I mean, maybe arguably, but it's certainly in my mind, the strongest way to win the game. Uh, it's in, you know, the two, are once again, arguably strongest colors, uh, certainly for enabling uh, any type of deck. And um, I think a lot of the game revolves around thinking about whether the console player is going to try to pull off their win. And also uh, considering that you there are very few things you can put in your deck to ultimately stop um, that whole package. It's just, I, I feel like we've sort of like talking pointed this one to death a bit at this point. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, one thing I think that is interesting uh, is to not consider them as a, a bundle, at least for the, this discussion. Sure. Like I think in, in a, in an isolated, like Oracle is a very f fine card by itself. I don't think its text warrants its ban. Uh, so anyway. I'm I'm the one who added Oracle to the list, and the reason I added it is not because yeah I think playing like traumatizing yourself and milling yourself out and then playing Oracle is too strong or anything like that. But I was more wondering, do like is. Tainted Pack, Demonic Consultation, Jace, and Labman, like a fair or like a win condition that is in line with where we would want the format to be. Yeah, I definitely say so. so like, I think I think so. So I think so, yeah. so like from that perspective, you could say banning Oracle. First of all, it means that like you're you're really quite vulnerable to removal because not only do you fail to win if Jace or Labman gets removed. But you actually straight up just lose the game, um, and so yeah, I like the fact that you can um, like if you're not able to interact on the stack, um, you're actually able to prevent the opponent from winning in those cases, right? Get rug, you know, you 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 could abrupt decay, trophy, um, do that kind of thing, and and you're able to answer most win cons in the format. You know, are aren't completely stack based. I guess the biggest thing would be something like an ad nauseum combo, but even a lot of times those require, you know, they're building towards something um, that you can interact with. Whereas Bass's Oracle just it's you, it's it's over, right? Like you'd have to thought seize or something, which um, a lot of decks are moving away from a lot of Git Rock decks. So it's just completely uninteractable, very efficient, very strong. But I I, I think the Jace Labman still good, still a good combo, but totally fair yeah i think it's uh, like that it's... being said i think that that argument kind of fails in the same way of like the birthing pot argument where um even if you banned oracle and possibly even banned Labman just so that package stayed and was fair you are just risking the fact that any new card can be printed that really just blows them blows these cards out of the water i mean that's a i don't i don't think so i mean there, like... there's it, it, I think it looks like that because we got two in the span of like a year, but I don't necessarily... It's a very specific effect. It, yeah, it's a very, like, compared to cards that work well with pod, cards that work well with 
like cards that win on an empty library is like a very niche effect and like I think that Thassa's Oracle was not supposed to be a card that wins because your library is empty. I don't think that was the purpose of the design of the card. I think that that was... Yeah, I agree as well. I agree. I think Oracle definitely plays a... It is actually, like, a a pretty fun casual card. (laughs) But, anyway. um, Like, like, and what I mean is, like, when played and properly to, like, its design. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, encouraging devotion and, and getting some decent card selection yeah 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 it is also like it is worth noting that i mean not so much tainted pact being uh like the card isn't banned in other formats because it's like so much worse in other formats because of the whole singleton restriction but uh like demonic consultation is banned in legacy and i believe restricted I mean, in vintage oracle oracle was basically just d- caused a ban in pioneer uh uh inverter was banned because of yeah. inverter oracle um well but yeah because if you banned oracle you would still have the option of uh winning jace, with, yeah. with jace yeah yeah although like i think that that's also a much more fair pioneer deck um like i guess i I kind of liked the Jace Labman Consult Tainted Pact package as like I'm gonna play a win con that's maybe a little more mana requirement, like it has higher mana requirements than things like Scepter, for example. And it's a bit um, more like vulnerable to it's yeah, it has like the the Uber punish of if these get killed, I actually just lose the game, but it's incredibly card efficient, so it fits well in my like very controlling value centric deck where like I'm only gonna go for a win when I'm already confident that there's not a lot left from my opponents. Like I, th- I think that it did a really good job being that. Um, and then, like I think that Oracle completely changes the way that that card, like the way that that win con plays out, and the kinds of decks that it's good in, and the kinds of decks that it's not good in. Sort of that whole idea falls apart. And so, like, I don't hate the idea of restoring Consult's role to what it used to be. So let's let's actually do, instead of kind of coming to a conclusion on all three of these cards, let's let's just break this up into two quick sections and let's just do a verdict right now. Would would you guys be okay with Oracle being banned um, with the Consult win package, as Morgan said, with uh, Labman and Jace still in the format? Yeah, so I'd be fine my with verdict, that. Yep. Yep. I'm fine with that. I, I'm not really fine with that. Okay. Well, now we can get into the discussion of, you know, banning Tainted Pact and Consultation. And I guess, Matt, as the outlier, I'll uh, give you the floor again. <sighs> yeah. I, I, uh, okay. Let's see. Let's talk about the cards individually, I think. I think Tainted Pact has much less of... Um, uh, maybe that's a tough argument to make, but I think it is much easier to cast out, outside the context of um, actually trying to win. So yeah, like, you know, I, mean, I would, I would one hundred agree. <laughs> I would say the Tainted Pact is just like yeah. the better card, honestly. But yeah, like yeah, sorry, the argument against it being that you have a deck building restriction that, like you know, in this and which currently is not very difficult to to um, yeah, like. Tainted Pact is harder to play in two color decks. 
even though it's still, it still happens. <laughs> like it still happens, but you definitely like have to work for it. I think the three color decks are barely working for it. Like many of them don't even run the six basics they could theoretically be yeah. running. Now maybe they would be running six. Like maybe Kess Consultation would run three islands if it could, but uh, like barely. You know, I, I I've had discussions uh, with Redshift about this and Wedge, and I think they said they wish they had a card that wasn't Sunken Ruins. But, like, that was it, yeah. right? Like, maybe if they could, they'd run a basic over Sunken Ruins. Like, that's not... The, if the deck-building restriction is I had to swap uh, a basic for Sunken Ruins, that's not, like, a real deck-building restriction. The one the one annoying thing about Tainted Pact is that, obviously, with four color, it's just not a deck-building restriction, right? That's exactly how your mana base would be anyway, so it's just a free include. And then the card is so powerful that lower-color decks that could be running cards that punish the mana base of four-color decks just aren't because they also want to be on tainted pact yeah there's an element so you're just perpetuating this you know insanely greedy mana base um meta and the only decks that really you know actively try and punish these are decks that can't run tainted pact but that also is like yeah yeah urza riel godo like decks that are actually focused on getting a back to basics or blood moon or something in play that also just reminds me of one thing I meant to say when we were talking about Doxad Extortionist, which is particularly with Blood Moon, I, I think that that's like a very unhealthy, kind of like Carpet and Back to Basics, I think that Doxad Extortionist against Blood Moon has like a similar element yeah. where, mm. where like it allows the greedy decks to like have a pretty, a very powerful out to what's normally a very punishing effect for them. I but, think one thing we've, mm. we've kind of learned from our, these discussions is that we kind of all want Blood Moon and Back to Basics to be, to be good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. To work. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if I like this about myself, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I've, it's just like, but we've yeah. seen this from like, there's a reason why like Legacy is at like all time low numbers right now, like paired with the budget issue. But just like mana hate and like hate along the lines of that kind of stuff, like saving of like Chalice of the Void and like Blood Moon and stuff. Those are all like healthy parts of a meta right it helps punish the like however many like every color meta ball control builds of things right yeah Yeah. and so like when you don't when you when your card pool gets so large that mana bases aren't an issue yeah like you're naturally disincentivized from going to more colors in standard or historic or whatever because the mana just is not good Right, but when the mana you just have a such a large card base that the mana is like perfect, you can do as many colors as you want. That's when you really want to have those punching effects, and when there's yeah. just Arkham's Astrolabe or Carpet of Flowers or or Docs everybody's just playing just... rocks anyway. Like, yeah, yeah, it's a uh, big sad. It's rough. Yeah. So that being said, comparing that to consult. <clears throat> the actual cost of consult, you know, outside the case of trying to win, is um, is a lot worse, I guess. Like it, you, it's there's very much a risk to it. Um, but you do get the added, uh, you know, benefit of being able to play it in, I guess, those low color scenarios. But as we discussed, that doesn't particularly matter because it it's very negligible. Do people ever value consult? 
It's always like yeah. a des desperation consult or winning the Have game Have you heard console. of that called food chain? <laughs> no, but that's a winning <laughs> that's game a winning console. Game that's console. not a value. I, I mean, right? okay. Uh, yeah, I, we... Yeah, I guess we... Yeah, the brain, the brain freeze was off a of console. I mean, that was a winning it? the game console. That was a winning, yeah. I feel like food chain like, would be okay sometimes with consulting for value engine. Uh, except then you run over your food chain. Yeah, but if you don't run over the Oracle or the Latman, then you're fine, right? <laughs> no. No, you're not. <laughs> like, finding a value engine, consult in the graveyard, hopefully, we'll say Tainted Pact in the deck and Oracle in the deck is not where food chain wants to sure. be. Um, uh, yeah, I think that Demonic Consultation, yeah, it's much harder to use for value because you have to... And much harder to use for like for interaction because you have to declare the piece you want um i think that like it's nice that it has like the quote-unquote risk with the top six exile but i think that that's also kind of like like i don't think that that's a super healthy balancing factor like just oh there's a small chance that completely out of your control you just lose the game when you play this card and like you can't with tainted pack yes you can you know you can run over all your win conditions before you find your interaction or whatever it is but like you can mitigate that by playing a deck with fewer points of or with more points of failure right um or like that's more that requires more pieces to be gone before it actually can't win um but like you can't mitigate the top six with consult um, yeah, I'm I'm happy with that though. I, I don't why I don't see why you view that as a, because a drawback. I, like you you lose the skill, but I mean it's a it's because a like I, I don't think losing ten percent of your right? games because you're unlucky that has nothing to do with skill isn't like a good heuristic. And like I think this, I think, I think you also, think of it something as like a one with nothing almost that just you're, like you're you're using it as purely a um, combo piece, right? Like. Just one single black mana exile your whole library that combos with your Thassa's Oracle. But, you know, there are times when you will be able to use it as, like, it, it will have uh, extra functionality, but it's just not free functionality, right? Like, if you're trying to use this to get a force of will or something, right? Like, you right, will just I'm, lose the game sometime. No, but like, I'm, saying, I'm saying that the not free part should be the cards you run over, like, because you actually have some control over how bad it is to run over cards in your deck. You have no no realistic control over whether or not the card you named is fifth from the top in your deck. Yeah. Like, so I guess th this is also... I I thought about this after the last episode when I, I described cards as not fun, like Tinker for Citadel isn't fun. What I should have said rather than fun is where there's a highly like it's an effect tinker for citadel same thing with consult where the outcome is highly variable and doesn't leave room for skill in determining the outcome and i i don't think that that's like i think that tinker citadel either just winning the game or doing nothing is like not a good heuristic and i think that that's also true with like winning a game because my opponent wrecked themselves on consult is like, yeah, it feels good in the immediate sort of, like, hey, I won, you know, like, obviously winning feels good, but, like, you, do, you don't want to win that way. Mm. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't feel that. Like, I, I don't I, think I, it's yeah. competitive, I don't think it's, winning that way feels anti-competitive, in my view. 
I, I just think it's a like it's it's spoils of the vault in ad nauseum, right? In modern. It's like, you know, sometimes you're you're just gonna lose to your spoils if you're not doing it, you know. Sometimes you just get unlucky, and that's the price to pay when a card you're going to play a card well, that's very I, powerful. I, so a single black mana put a so, card from so your deck yes, into but your I hand. I think like Morgan's point was more like imagine like Spoils of the Vault, except if Spoils of the Vault also had like oh also at the beginning of this flip a D six and you take that much damage as soon as you start. Yeah, like it's it's I again I I don't see I I acknowledge that you guys have a problem with that or but I I don't I think it's fine to have a very powerful card with a drawback um as severe as losing the okay game. so like, yeah me, just, me too yeah. I, I think uh i think going in the other direction it leans is certainly a, a valid like a valid opinion but kind of is a bit more about the philosophy of the format than like if then strictly the technical um chance to win with the card and power level it's also very flavorful <laughs> yeah i'm just i guess what i see is the difference is that you can't you can absolutely build your deck to mitigate the the likely damage you're taking from spoils of the vault in a way that because it's the top six like yeah i mean but the, the, you can't build around it moving on which is do we have you know, do design, we have yeah. verdicts on these but you you can't build around consult at all really is what i mean like you can't build around that six percent chance at all more or less is my view but anyways yeah uh and then i think one point that hasn't or maybe got mentioned kind of slightly but the fact that you can tainted pact for um your oracle and in many shells have the ability to tainted pact again and, and maybe that's a cast or it's a breach or whatever but the fact that it works towards assembling the combo in like reasonable scenario unreasonable scenarios is uh i think where i kind of have to say that I'd like to see these cards uh, go. Yeah, Tim Pack's definitely an issue. Um, okay, I my take is ban Tainted Pact, ban Oracle. I I'm fine with Consult staying in the format. Same with Labman and uh, uh, Jace. Um, I just think yeah, Oracle uh, too strong. Even with just Oracle Consult, I don't like that. Um, the the things you can do with, with just like you know backups and food chain one card win con and casts like um, yeah not not a fan but I I also like I think tainted pact I would rather e even though I'd be fine as a win con with uh, Jace Labman tainted pact consult in the format I just do not like um how good tainted pact is and and you know we talked about the effects on mana hate and I think, mana bases and I would like to see that gone. Yeah, that's a that's a reasonable I think compromise that I'm definitely down to I'm okay to I'm agree okay with. Hey with Tainted Pack the Foreign if Oracle's not. I think I'm I'm more in favor of the Woodcon shell just because it's this nice alternative for slower decks. Um so I think it's like either E ban Oracle or E ban Tainted Plus Consult. Okay, I'm curious. It, uh I guess Matt and Lyndon, you guys seem to be thinking that Tainted Pact is, like, I'll just, if you can only ban one card, is it Tainted Pact or is it Oracle? Yeah, it's Tainted Pact, yeah, definitely. If tainted I can only ban one, that's, that's, honestly, it's very tough for me. I think I would ban Oracle, but I could also very much see an argument for Tainted Pact. Okay. I think if I could ban um, one, if, it would pretty confidently be Oracle yeah, for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd say same. Um, 
And then I just put fry in all my decks. <laughs> um, <laughs> if I'm yeah. banning two, I think I'm with Reed that I just ban Tainted and Consult. I don't hate um, Oracle being like... But no one plays Oracle in that case. Well, I think though, that right? there's there, like... There, there are cases. Like Her- there's Her- a case where like, there's cases, yeah. Like, I think the, the okay, format is significantly sure, sure, sure. less powerful, and then Hulk, things like yeah. Hermitrude and Hulk are, like, considerations. Yeah, like, you're playing, like, yeah. Breakfast and Hulk again, or, like, you have that option again. You Like, you, it's it's more of, like, the pure empty deck strategies. Like, you play, you play it in Doomsday still. Yeah. Yeah, like, that, that was one thing that and, I was thinking yeah, about. Yeah, like, Doomsday, too. Uh, that's true, that's true. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah Doomsday I, I is like, a great alternative, I think, in my mind, to uh, the Tainted... Just the consultation package, especially with Oracle, where yeah. like you can now you don't need as many dead cards to play Doomsday you need, Show. Like zero dead well, cards. You literally you, just you need like sort Doomsday. of you sort of want Gush just in order to make it no additional. No, 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 no. You don't. You what? want you. It's brain. It's Git Pro brainstorm like Petal or Chromox and then Thoracle. That's it. And if you have and an enormous done. brain, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's 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 it. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. Uh, I, I'm I'm fine keeping the the wincon package alive. But yeah, I I just I would like it to be nerfed for sure. Okay, uh, this episode is getting long, so let's try. Whoopsie, whoops. Yeah, well, we're uh, just we're just now running in, into the most contentious one in the, of the whole bunch. An into the north episode going over an hour. What is what? this? This is <laughs> yeah. crazy talk. How long ago um, do we say that we're okay, gonna part three, guys? Part three. <laughs> Let's milk this topic for forever. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so next up is ad nauseum. Uh, Reed. You oh, sure. Um, so this is the meme band that's been around for time immemorial, immemorial, immemorable, time immemorable, immemorial, time immemorial, immemorial. <laughs> Talking about long uh, into the north episodes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, ad nauseum is a good card. Is basically what it boils down to. Some people are salty. That's a good card. Some people play it so they're not salty that's a good card <laughs> um in in a more serious sense um i think ad nauseum is sort of just something that we've all had to accept as a pillar of the format it's like brainstorming legacy it's just like it's just going to exist and it's just going to be one of the things that you build deck, decks around and i think it's just like too much a part of the identity of the format in a way that like the fast mana isn't yeah i I'm generally fine with ad nauseum as a pillar of the format, and I, and I kind of like that. You know, you have to put consideration into your CMC, and you know, you really have to fight. Or like, I really much like deck yeah. building and deck tuning. And like, when you get to when you know on the, on the Git Rock server, we were having a discussion between um, dismember versus ulcerate, and you don't ever have that discussion unless ad nauseum is the format. I right? I had to make the decision between dismember, snuff out, and vendetta and brawls <laughs> because of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the one thing. So I really much like that aspect. Now the one drawback, and I would like to maybe even see how much of a drawback it is. Um, you know, by playing in a format where maybe ad nauseum was banned, and that's that much like mid-rangier threats and like you know we started to see seedborn muse and like thrasios and that that's kind of been something that you know wasn't always the case and you know consecrated sphinx obviously in reanimator decks but what kinds of 
of mid rangey threats and and kind of where does that metagame go in terms of like the arms race there and where does it settle uh with no consideration for ad nauseum mana ad nauseum curves because you're just trying to have the better mid-range threat but I mean, that'd be interesting like, i'd like I to see like how that stuff like out. misdirection starts to see a bit more play um as well yeah i love misdirection yeah yeah i've always been a fan of, of misdirection honestly but there always is you know the temptation to just slap an ad nause yeah. into a black deck like <laughs> one of the best cards in the format yeah uh, we i feel like we would also see more um like more delve stuff like dig through time um yeah yeah that could be interesting so i like historically haven't been haven't seen ad nauseum as like a huge problem um i think how big of a problem i see it as um jumped hugely with the printing of both dockside and thassa's oracle um, yeah definitely so like it's definitely a card that i could see leaving in the format if we were taking out some other stuff um but right now i think that it's too easy to it's it's easier than it ever was to just jam in a deck and still have it just kind of win when it resolves um yeah imagine no soul ring crypts carpet of flowers um like that would be an interesting interesting to see ad nauseum in that format for sure yeah like so i think if assuming nothing else like i we're not banning anything else. I, I think that ad nauseum uh, does too much for how easy it is to cast and how like ideally, yes, you put in a bunch of stuff to release them down the curve, but in practice, you don't actually have to run that much additional fast mana and you don't have to run that much additional uh, or like, you don't have to worry too much about putting in a few chunkier cards. Especially when you start talking about uh, having like, Adenosing with mana up um instead of adenosing from zero like then you start getting like exponentially yeah. more success which is really tragic because the best way to get a lot of mana early is to use creatures yeah. <laughs> <On> their, <laughs> unfortunately they're summoning sick <laughs> or have absurd cmcs i okay. think i think ad nauseum is uh is fine uh kind of on, on the argument that it's a it's a higher skill and more interesting card i mean it's also it, like very obviously powerful but i think it's just like it's something that we have to accept that we build metas around now or always have even i don't know why we have to accept that <laughs> well, it's, just, <laughs> it's just a core part of the format i feel yeah i don't it's think it's always been done so it must be right the the faster yeah. decks usually have lower cmcs and then you can now put an ad nauseum in, which definitely I think is where things start getting problematic. But as it stands right now, I'm definitely more worried about other cards. Like as Morgan said, he would rather see, um, he'd see he'd like to see ad nauseum go if we're not going to be dealing with things like Dockside and and Silver Encrypt. Okay, final verdicts. Um, yeah, I'm fine with ad nauseum sticking yes, around. Uh, but I do agree that I would, I would like to see the cards that enable it gone um, over it, and then I would also, but I would also be fine to see and, and play around in the format that doesn't have ad nauseum where these other cards. So maybe if we stipulate here. that those cards aren't going, it, you're just presented with the question: Would you like to ban ad nauseum or no? 
what's your i would like to play in that format for a bit to see how like that's an, a format i would be i'd like to experiment in and see what it's like but um if i had to make like a definitive you know all-time answer i would say no i'd like it to stay yeah i think uh both both scenarios um ad nauseum stays Uh, I think if if we're not banning anything, in my mind, ad nauseum goes. I wouldn't have said that um, when, like, even before Oracle, when there was, like, the uh, when it, it was the obvious counter to things like Shuffle Hulk, or, like, one of the counters. Um, but I, I think that ad nauseum-based decks are more or less the default strategy in, like, every color combination that can play them, and I don't see what is the sort of obvious like here's here's the thing that like compares well or like compares reasonably to ad nauseum based decks like i don't know maybe it's rather cats but like i don't mm. i don't i don't like where rather cats is positioned as like the sole top tier like non yeah, sure. deck. I mean, I guess yeah. There are like certain other ones, like the song, obviously the Sans Black decks, and like some of the more mid rangey Kenrith things. But even those, I feel like if you wanted to, you could just jam Ad Nauseum into, and that seems like a problem to me. Ban Ad Nauseum so that more people should be can be running uh, recurring insight. You know, I mean, well, I think I think one of the huge go. issues with that now is that it like doesn't draw cards, right? Like if it drew cards, yeah. The then, fact that it you can't yeah. hate it out is is frustrating as well. Or, like, you yeah. can't hate it out along with other huge card advantage engines. All right. Well, um, uh, I have kind of an anecdote, which is... Wait, wait did you I give did. your answer, sorry? I'm fine oh, with it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. I have a bit of an anecdote, which is, I think, uh, yeah, personal experience, ad nauseum, its cast-to-resolution ratio or whatever has only really been going down. Like, I think we're just countering more ad nauseums more consistently. Yeah. I've always, I've always found it pretty People difficult are also, to resolve. Are able an to read the... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, for those of you who are still listening, uh, we've got, we're halfway through the episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we did it again. Oh, God. Okay. So, uh, next up, uh, we have Underworld Breach. Uh, and I think it is my turn. So, Underworld Breach printed, what, earlier this year, Theros, uh, kind of took the meta by storm with, uh, <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, made Brain Freeze a playable card. An actual storm card. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Uh, storm card in CDH, besides Flusher Storm, I guess. <laughs> um, and, and this is really the first time that we've ever had like a one card uh, sorry a one like a, a an intuition win the game pile right like that's just a straight up i mean kess has had yes yeah you did have to have kess in play but yeah like just just an, an empty board win the game pile yeah. um Although, which is i don't actually think cool. that's like I a know. huge I don't, I don't think that's a big problem with the card because yeah, you have to run Savine's Reclamation, and if people give you the LED, you have to resolve a Savine's Reclamation I, with no I cards think it's in hand. More... Yeah, and then also, like, 
Breach needs to stay it's, in play. It's, and no it's one more than Breach. It's just like a really, really good single card teeter target in the late game that just wins you the game. Yeah, I think my problem with Breach is not when you assemble LED Breach Brain Freeze or LED Breach Wheel or whatever like that. My problem is that you have that option in your deck and it's really good. And you also just have this like, oh, well, I'm going to cast Dark Ritual. I'm going to cast Breach. I'm going to cast Dark Ritual and I'm going to tutor. And then like. It's it's the fact that it's, it's Yawgmoth's Will that's also a combo piece. Yeah, like like, like Yogmoth's will Yogmoth's will stopped being a a card that saw a lot of play. It it just wasn't um wasn't popular. Well, okay, right? like, okay. Hold fact, on. Like, it's just not the, just Yogmoth's will. Was, like it's Yogmoth's will that doesn't lock Yogmoth, your graveyard. That like uh, well, that's Yogmoth why it's a combo didn't piece, see play right? Because it's, the only deck that was seeing play was Oracle Hulk. <laughs> like Yogmoth was still very popular. Yeah, in, I guess fair. We like, haven't really Opus had that, CST. that. Yeah. Uh, we we did we didn't get really get to see the meta um between Fish Hulk and having Breach as a as yeah. a available option, but there there were even before um Fish Hulk Yog Muswell was you know falling off in popularity um from what I could see just it it it's a good card very obviously very very strong um but you know having having it also be a combo piece like Gitrog. imagine if if Yawgmoth's will didn't have that exile clause right like i would slam Yawgmoth's will in a second that'd be freaking yeah, amazing infinite regrowth for turn it, thanks it's, yeah <laughs> yeah it's just the fact the fact that you can you can use it for for value and then just have almost no drawback and just be in, in full control is is just so insane um do i think it's too good for the format not really i think it's fine it's i think very, it's very very strong but yeah fine i think i think what makes it um kind of nice for in a metagame is there are like actually infinite answers to yeah breach. like there's so many axes it's like probably interact on it with yeah yeah that's fair i i mostly just wanted to raise it because like i think that any card that forms its own viable win condition and also dovetails extremely nicely with just being an insane value card or a card that lets you set up your other win conditions is at least spooky and like i think i think that's the number of times i see breach used it's like you go breach dark ritual tainted pact oracle tainted pact like i don't i don't like that sort of aspect of the card in conjunction with how effective it is as its own win con um but i think it's probably fine as is again i've seen a few more people running grave hate um as sort of an answer to it and well and i don't know where that will settle and also this is a card instantly get it with like drs yeah, like that's you, you can one. hit like brainstorms or savines or whatever like you can also they're trying to hit yeah with the like DRS. incremental yeah. grave hate is a lot more effective against breach than it ever was against stuff like hulk or whatever um or like Hermitrude, just because like eating the graveyard before a breach comes down still makes it super awkward later on. So like yeah. I, it just it just yeah. makes it a lot healthier of a thing because like when you're considering breach and deck building, you don't have to immediately resort to like oh I guess I'm playing Grafter's Cage because nothing else will do here. It's like okay like I'll play like 
uh, Hermit Druid, or sorry, I'll play like a Death Rite Shaman, and then I'll jam like, I don't know, like a Nihil Spellbomb or Relic Progenitus. Like, okay, like these cycle, they're not terrible, but they still do the job. I think also, like, this, like, there's a card where if other stuff was being banned, my my threat radar, like, just more or less drops it entirely. Yeah. Where yeah, if Oracle is gone, like, I think it's a lot. Uh, well, also then I think like then I think it's a lot more reasonable to run hate for this card because it becomes like a much more central uh, part of the decks it's in rather than like it's an option they have that's in that like dovetails nicely with their like main consult strategy where like you're playing something that hates this but not consult. Um, but then, with consult gone, this is like much more worthy of being targeted by by hate. Um, I just thought it was a card sort yeah. of worth raising. When the best win condition has actual uh, uh, answers that aren't just <laughs> like counter spells, <laughs> that'd be pretty nice, wouldn't it? How how long so have think, been since a thing? <laughs> yeah, I think we're we're all in agreement oh that yeah. this doesn't, yeah. doesn't, doesn't really need to, need to go. be banned. Reach is cool. kind of a fun card, guys. Sure is. Um, so next up we have uh, everyone's favorite partner duo, <laughs> everyone's favorite Tina. band discussion. Uh, okay, so we've we've talked this one yeah. to death, but funnily enough, yeah. yeah, it's like probably the least bannable it's ever been, <laughs> or at least definitely. I think that was when we originally had the episode. That was when Flash yeah. was legal, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So. That, that's. I think that's the biggest. I think it's really kind of the center point of this discussion. Like, does Flash being banned make Timna and Thrasios? Well, so it definitely like, makes Timna less good. Flash being banned it, as yeah. well as good red cards being printed. Because the issue was always that like there was no reason to play the red partners at all with Thrasios. Like you, like you just didn't want to play Vile unless you're specifically playing uh classes right? But now that like there's actually reasons to go into red, there's like. Like if you want to go fast, Timna Vile is or Thras Vile is just the better deck than Timna Thrasios now. I think, in a lot of cases. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I think we'd uh, we'd agree. Or a, or like potentially sense, like but... Timna Krom is also potentially built to, uh, you know, like gear faster than um, Thras Tona. So like I think now that there are actual like it's. It's not like the meta is not completely centralized around one deck. There's like a bit of leeway. I think there's like, and with the addition of more cards and more color balancing, it's like. See what what I think is is you your 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 point is is definitely correct, right? Thrasios Timna is no longer the central deck because in our episode we were discussing, you know, if you could only ban one, which would yep. you ban, right? Because banning one would be an answer. You can't ban one now. <laughs> it's too you diversified within their within their things. Yeah, you'd have to ban both, which is which is what like. But honestly, the the thing the meta has diversified away from just Thrasios Timna, but it, it's Thrasios, Thrasios and, and Timna have Timna. not gone anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Thrasios and Timna together have have have, have dropped in numbers. But it's, it's arguable that Thrasios Timna of individually individual occurrence well so probably yes but i up. think that's like it's now less about like oh my god the combined power of like having four colors plus two value engines the command zone plus whatever else it's less about that now and more 
uh, problem of just more colors is bad for the format, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's more colors with cards that are very, very good. If, I mean, Thrasius Zone gone, is not great. What are the good right? four color decks? Like Thrasius Zone Sorry? is not great right now. Thrasios, are you saying like Thrasios Vile wouldn't be viable if Timna was no, banned? I'm, no, I'm, I'm like saying I'm saying that Thrasios isn't a particularly pot, valuable right? card in that deck. Like it's nice, no, it's I mean, nice it's to have, but a like, valuable card in many iterations of many decks. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah, like there uh, is. Yeah. There is still very much like the whole like mid range Seaborn Muse Thrasios training grounds like that's still yeah, a deck, yeah. um, but yeah I think I think now like banning one is much less appealing, um, and I like I think that also a point that I brought up um, in an older episode would also be true here, which is that like if what we're trying to fight is generically strong advantage generating high color commanders um yes kenrith is worse than timna and thrasios due to his higher cost but i i think that it would still have a very unhealthy thing going on where like for a lot of archetypes it's just correct to jam them in kenrith yeah even if like ideally you'd have a slightly more impactful commander because you just get access to the colors and a fallback plan. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. I. 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 I, I would like to, because I. I think I'm. I'm just gonna you know, say my my stance here. I think I would like to ban Thrasius Timna still. Um, and I definitely subscribe to what you're saying in terms of, you know, Kenrith being, probably the next runner up, and I definitely have the five color problem, um, as well, and. Just if Kenrith was over centralizing, that would suck. But you know, tapping out for a five mana commander before you know developing uh, your your value plan and your value plan involves you know putting blue into into Kenrith to draw cards. I mean, um, it doesn't have to. <laughs> like, yeah, I suppose. Like, yeah, I think I think I'd, I'd agree that's prob you'd probably want to get rid of Kenrith as well, but. It, I think I'd have to I'd have to see that play. I out just first. I especially with the whole like dockside dockside and Kenrith yeah, is kind of a match made in heaven in many yeah. ways. Yeah, that it's I think that maybe we missed that point actually. That's kind of funny that you mentioned it, but Kenrith I think is kind of like the dockside deck right now more than any other deck. Uh, and yeah, I think uh, I think there's pretty much. I think I'd rather see Timna Thrasios and Kenrith stay than the situation where you ban Timna Thrasios and feel like you're forced into banning Kenrith. Uh, and then you go down the rabbit hole of like which generic five color commander is too good and which one isn't, right? Yeah. Like do you ban Golos uh, then? Are you banning I mean uh, <laughs> I think that I, discussion is wrapped a bit it is has many more cards yeah. wrapped into it than than the ones we're talking about now. Like fetch lands and Duels so and all that is, fun stuff. So sort of was, to me, it seems weird though that you would you would kind of that Thrasios and Timna are somehow protected because then the, then there's Kenrith, then there's Golos, and it's like you're 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 worried that there's just another well, next it's, best it, thing. It's more about. I don't think you me, can you can make that argument me, it's, all the it's way the down. Fact right? that, no, no, I don't think you can't. But I think uh, I think if I think the only viable mindset towards banning Thrasios and Timna would be. Th for a diversity point and if you're going down that train of thought then you're kind of if you only ban 
Thrasios and Timna, it seems like you're kind of disregarding the real problem. Well, well so I guess what, okay. what I'm saying is that, like, I I think that if you ban Thrasios, Timna, and Kenrith, then for many strategies, you are faced with, like, a very real question of whether or not the additional colors are worth the sacrifice you're making in the commander department. And, like, like goalless activations are a meme, right? Like, generating seven mana in five colors is, like, not... Like, it's not something you can just sort of do because you don't have anything better going on. Um, Yeah. For me... Like, and also the fact that you have to do it more or less on your turn. Like, you can't just pass holding X mana for interaction and then sink it into into Golos. Yeah, and your commander is just not a good value engine, right? Like... like, Yeah, it's an outlet, but it's not a good value engine. I feel like... The issue, though, is just that, like, Wizards has shown no sign of, like, stopping printing five-color stuff, or just high-color yes, stuff, a, so it's just, it's a it's an issue a, a that problem. you have to revisit later down the line, almost inevitably. It's like, okay, we banned Thrasten and Timna, great. Yeah. Uh, is Kenrith too good? Okay, we banned Kenrith, alright, we're gonna go to Equilibrium, and then they print another Kenrith or whatever, and it's like, okay, we have to revisit this. Do we have to ban this one? Great, ban it. I mean, and then they do it again. I I would be totally fine with <laughs> but, that. Yeah, but you're just like I mean, every yeah, time so every time they print ass, a new five color commander, just ban yeah. it outright. Like it's uh, just, I, yeah, dude. I can't. I, I, I can't wait to get that that's like a problem to the next topic, Matt. Huh? To the next, our next. No, uh, no, thing uh, on the list. no. I was gonna make a joke. I was gonna say I can't wait for uh, more preset release bans. <laughs> yeah, I just personally, I think my opinion on this is I think. Especially now compared to um, previously when we've talked about this. Um, I think banning Timon and Thrasios or Five Color Commanders or whatever is a treatment of a symptom rather than the core issue. Which is that yeah. higher colors have no meaningful counterplay. Yeah, there. yes, there's definitely an element of that. Um, I think that, like, if we... I think that if we knew we weren't getting something that would replace Kenrith or Thrasios and Timna, then I would... I think that banning them would increase the health of the format and restore at least an element of a trade-off between higher colors means your commander sucks um, in a way that I don't think really meaningfully exists now. Um, But obviously, yeah, I... They're just, like... The biggest problem with five color it, it just also has to do with design like yes. from magic yeah. design where y- you can't get too dialed in to do interesting things in five color right so your commanders are inherently generic and then it just boils down to what is the best generic commander to jam all my generic good cards into yes right um so you you really do have to answer the problem as either you know you're just gonna have to keep banning all these these five color cards and banning the next best generic value engine um well i guess what what i would say is address something that that allows them to do that all all i'm saying is it does matter how good that generic that best generic five color commander is like which is why i I would be fine banning kenrith and not banning golos or sissy weather like captain or more fun um Okay. Uh, final verdict. Um, I'm fine with them currently. I think that the thing that we're talking about next would solve the issue better. Yeah. Keep them in. N- no caveats. Doesn't matter if we 
about the next discussion. I just say we keep them. If we knew they weren't going to be replaced in the short term, I would say ban, but there's no way of knowing that. So I I don't think it's healthy to just play whack-a-mole with the best high color commander for the rest of time. I love Whack-A-Mole, and I think we should be playing Whack-A-Mole nonstop. Ban Thrasters, Timna, ban Kenrith, and ban whatever new generic value commander they print if it's, you know, Linden, Linden, are you, are you, are you retiring something from this? Are you one of the lead designers for current standard? <laughs> oh, Dude, no, I let right, that let's, slip. Let's oh, no, spoilers. Yeah, <laughs> As uh, you clear the two-hour mark. All right. Um, uh, yeah. So Fetchlands, Reed, Fetchlands. You, you were you were hinting about a yeah, lot. Yeah, I've, I've been a proponent for this band for ages at this point, um, literal years. Uh, fetches need to go. <laughs> fetches is just fet, but fetch, the fetch is just enable consistent mana bases, <laughs> which are a downfall of um, formats when you can't do stuff like blood moon them effectively. Because you just always have basics if you need them. It's annoying. Needs to go. You're just be a gay rock hater. Off color fetches only. <laughs> Okay, I don't want to go Just down the... Uh, you can only lines. play the... It doesn't solve the, <laughs> I, Yeah. I think... Wait, uh, I think how it, would I, that not solve the problem? Because shocks exist? No, like, I meant I meant all dual-typed lands. Not just <laughs> oh, dual, okay. dual-typed lands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I was like very confused. I was like, dude, Morgan is all in on five-color basics, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Yeah, you were saying something? Um... I was gonna say I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of like the hybrid fetchland rule sets where like you know you can only play off color fetches or whatever. <laughs> um, I think I, I I come from this from a bit of a higher level where I think uh, I think it's oh, competitive okay. to have <laughs> I think it's competitive to have um, high color uh, or many color decks and the availability of cards in competitive decks. Yeah. I I think that these like I think that these are like to the the total inversion of what it would do to the format ma- means to me that banning fetchlands means it's not the same format anymore. Like I don't think you can preserve the identity of playing like one of the appeals of this format is playing some of the most powerful cards in magic's history um and like i think that you lose that if you like just completely torpedo the mana i disagree i think you can preserve that you just don't get to jam them all in one deck (laughs) like yeah you can you can play your uh your your busted cards so one of the one of the also the arguments for um, Morgan's side here is that fetchlands are part of that spectrum of broken cards that you want to play with. Okay, I mean we're making the concession that you're 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 allowing we 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 we're not allowing Black Lotus into the format just because it's a powerful <laughs> sure. card and people want to play with it, right? So I we do we some things for balance reasons, right? Um, and I think fetchlands is is one of those things. If you ban the fetchlands, you can um, it increases the focus on the actual commander and the effect it has because everyone's incentivized to go to low colors. Um, and the mana I think is, is generally still pretty fine, but the fact that you're, you, you can still get access to like, if, if 
fetches were banned. Drastus and Timna, sure, you know, keep them around because you're you're punished for having to to run yeah, these exactly. commanders by having just terrible mana. Uh, and so it it the f- Gitrog gets a, a boost. I mean, actually, it gets massively nerfed. Never mind. So, <laughs> what? Uh, Gitrog what? definitely uh, changes. <laughs> Some non fetchland reliant <laughs> two color deck gets a massive. I mean, boost. I think it kills. What I mean is, like, I think it kills many of the existing archetypes. Like, I don't think food chain survives meaningfully. Well, you can play three color um, food chain. Yeah, three color food chain. Can fine. you? Yeah, like With, it's it's like, just not as good. Where like you have to be consistently producing green to play the dorks, and then like black and blue for the rest of the deck to work. Like it. It doesn't seem. I think that's three color with the mana with the mana available outside of fetches. Three color is totally viable. I would agree. Like you're you're not going to be able to splash fucking. I mean doomsday. I think the, and, the and problem is is that like Necropotes. it makes it right, which which slows the deck down, which removes the only thing it has going. No, but everything else yeah. slows down but, as well. No, not being able to run Necropotes no, 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 but is not a every deck being like. Everything else slows down as well. Doesn't make it easier in this in like. Sorry, I'm I'm not wording this well, but I think that if you hurt every deck's speed equally, it's the fast decks that get punished the most. Mm. But you don't hurt every deck speed equally. You hurt the the more colors decks. You know, it's so it's more colors you get to run better cards um and maybe there's consideration like maybe uh if you want to run well, also a like strong... can you play tainted pact in food chain still with no fetch lands yeah color? i think I, so uh... right um actually this, this I, haven't, I haven't actually looked at because i was sound... thinking of two color two color with uh with all the fetch lands and get wrong obviously that, that 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 helps right so i guess without fetch lands yeah that might I, be I, haven't, I haven't tried awkward. to do the three color tainted packed mana base but um you know you're saying you know we've got to preserve things like food chain weren't you pro tainted consult ban like that just kills food chain doesn't it uh no i think that there are other like i think that food chain corvold for example is still like a viable thing as is food chain prosh um with those cards gone okay i think I th- I think those decks are still viable, like with uh, with with the. I, so I, I I don't know. I think I, three color. Is, I don't is think I'm changing any minds, decent. and like I've I've accepted that for a long time. But I will also say, one of the other benefits of banning fetch lands is from a logistic standpoint. No, no shuffling. shuffling. Oh yeah, oh, so good, mm. so much better. Oh my yeah. god, <laughs> it makes it makes the format so much more. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, you you get like ten less shuffles yeah. in a game. Oh my god. Like that would be that would be massive just for for ease of play. And honestly, I I know this we're mainly focused on competitive, but and, and this is something that the RC and something we, we probably discuss in that, you know, future mini segment that we were talking about. But just accessibility, um and not requiring, you know, for like casual or whatever, not requiring people to have uh fetch lands that are costing you know, hundreds of dollars for depending on how many you have to run like that seems like a, a mini plus or something to consider um that we can talk about next time but uh all right yeah we have verdicts because i'm i'm always for fetches yep i'm pro ban fetch keep them in 
keep him in. Neat. Can you split? All right. I think we have to do the next two pretty quickly because. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. which is good because we'll probably be revisiting yeah, these be in our mini topic. <laughs> Honestly, I think the next one's more interesting than the first one, but whatever. If that if that helps you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, first up, we've got uh, Draneth Magistrate. Just I I don't you know, think any CDH player play enjoys commanders. having Draneth in the format. Yeah, we were, we had this whole discussion about asymmetric yeah. stacks pieces that were also value pieces, and this is like. I almost have like, like a much worse experience with Drath because there really is just yeah, no yeah. hope. Like you can't just play. You can't just accept the fact that your opponent's gonna draw a card. Like you just can't play your commander, and uh, and yeah. it's and because it's asymmetrical, there's the opportunity cost is incredibly. To playing low. a Drath is like it's essentially non-existent. Like you can you curve Drath into your commander. Like you can tutor it. You can play it's a creature. You can just slam it out off of any creature tutor. Yeah, you don't have to sequence yep. it like get yeah. your commander into play and then cast it. Um, and Neo, also, Neoform is a huge factor here. <laughs> and also, it creates like it creates the really rough scenario where like if they have one counter spell, like you think they have one counter spell. And like you try and remove it, and then they counter, and then you counter back, and then like you're also unlocking your opponents, where like it can be hard to find a, a time to remove the Dranath Magistrate yeah. that's like gives you an opportunity without giving everyone else a huge opportunity. I think we're yeah, that's that's such an annoying especially, aspect of the especially card for sure. I encountered this a few times with bouncing, like with bounce spells specifically, and turn yeah. order, like. If you're immediately after the person with the Dranath Magistrate, and you're like, I want to bounce it and play my commander, like, well, everyone else gets to play their commander, too. Whereas if you're the person immediately before them, you're like, cool, bounce it, play my commander, and then let them replay it on their turn. Um, and it just creates, like, a, an unhealthy dynamic based on turn order, which is, like, not something that I want to be dictating a lot of dynamics in my games, if possible. <laughs> Also, it's such an important, like, decks that are reliant on their commanders, which, you know, unsurprisingly is a lot of decks in the format, uh, want to get rid of Dranith, and the go-to, like, anti-creature um, thing to be doing was uh, Pyroclasms, and the fact that Dranith has three toughness, it just shakes things up in an unfortunate way. Right, like if Dranith had two toughness, and then you know Cass gets to run their pyroclasms and all, and maybe people are more incentivized to go red and no creatures, and you know maybe do do something like that. That'd be nice, but yeah, it is it is what it is, and three toughness is just the the wrath that you'd have to run, like anger of the gods and stuff, should come down a turn later than you'd like. And they also uh, just cost a shit ton to remove the two CMC creature. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we're all yeah. in favor of banning this one. Uh, Yep. Um, although, yeah, I want to say that a lot of my uh, reasons are reasons that we'll talk about next time, because I think it's a lot of the reasons I would like to ban this are beyond uh, yeah. power level. I also think, I think I'm like, I'm like 50 50. I'm like, I think it's yeah, it's as strong as it is unethical. <laughs> I, I also think it's extremely sucky that the commander that's most likely to get under it is fucking yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's ain't, ain't that the truth. Um, Another staple okay. for Thrasios Timna. Yep. Dude, 
Duranith just makes Duretti all the more. Just gives him exactly. <laughs> that's what that's what Duretti needed. Is Duranith Magistrate? Um, okay, so verdicts yep. ban. ban, please ban, Get and also don't do it again too. <laughs> like I, out of our list, I honestly think Duranith has like one of the higher probabilities of being banned. Yeah, because yeah, if if it catches on 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 like casual, this card is so. I this card I think is worse than Iona. I hate this card. Um, I hate it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, our final card on our list. So, you know, if you guys, all all two of you still <laughs> also, with us. Also, Drenith, uh, Drenith doesn't. <laughs> the card was printed to hate on the friggin' companions, and it doesn't yeah. even work anymore because <laughs> they changed the rules. Dude, imagine. Get, I'm running command beacon as a way to play around Dranith. What does the world come to, man? This is awful. Hey, at least it draws uh, a card, right? No, I'm running fatal push. <laughs> All right. Fatal All right. push and get rocked. That's, that's just... Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, our final card for all two people left, hi, Zach, <laughs> um, uh, is Gilded Drake. Um, and I also want to ban this card for a lot of reasons outside of power level but honestly you could ban this card for power level alone it just does yeah i think it's hard to not couple kind of the ethical burden of of gilded drake but uh and maybe this is just due to like the recent change in the meta to like the mid-range type decks or like just this the longer type decks is gilded drake kind of like it really it really it kind of reduces the power level of your bigger threats because you're, because almost three of the four players in the pod have Gilded Drakes, and if you play a Consecrated Sphinx and don't immediately win, then it's just right for the picking of the yeah. other three players. Like, but Matt, where, what if like, you play an Archon of Valor's Reach? <laughs> well, <laughs> Morgan, people don't, our listeners don't understand the reference. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, but I, I've been we've been playing a bunch of games, and uh, we had a game where. Uh, Okay. Also, this, yeah. Speaking of of uh, like phantasmal image with dockside, phantasmal image gilded drake to gilded drake back something that's been gilded drake from you to copy someone's gilded drake to to steal a threat they've stolen, like or just to copy. It's just things are getting so degenerate, <laughs> and a lot of it has to do with gilded drake. Um, but we had a game where I had an archon of valor's reach on instance, and then our friend Dave he fimaged it and uh, metamorphed it. So. It locked out sorceries and artifacts. Um, and then we had another game where there was an Archon, and I think it got it got fimaged and Gilded Draked, and just, yeah. <laughs> Not, no bueno. No bueno. It's just, uh, like, I don't know. Gilded Draked is so rough, too. Because, like... There's yeah. no downside to running it. It's the best removal spell and also mid-range like, also, threat in play. The whole play. thing, like, so Matt was saying earlier, like, you don't want to play like, oh, I don't want to play my consecrated space because it could get draked. It's like even the same for like, oh, I don't want to play my fucking Fabor Elder because it's going to get draked. Like, <laughs> yeah, Fabor Elder is right at the threshold for me where it's like, I have to run it. <laughs> it's just too good of a card, but like, it, it's just such a good Gilded Drake uh, thing to steal. You, you make deck building concessions and and concessions in the game to tap out to play your expensive spell and your your mid range threat to you know wow you know I'm trying to be anti meta and play a bunch of stacks pieces and tender shoot dryad and then you know close out the game um, through through attacks or something and it's just 
Yeah. Uh, it cost me nothing <laughs> to, to run that card in my deck because it's amazing. I got to remove your threat, and, and now I'm winning the game because I have the best threat. Like, that aspect of it is just so awful, in my opinion. I, I It just pushes everything towards spells and... Uh, yeah, the fact that decks run homeward path is yeah, and just, I mean yeah, it's also and I think like well, it's also reserved list, but yeah, continue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh yeah, three hundred dollars. Like, yikes! If you look at the effects that, or like the spells that accomplish a somewhat similar effect, like you have like fractured identity, which yes hits non-land permanents, not creatures, but is five mana for like exile something and make a copy of it. So it puts it into play for every every opponent. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's player. true. That's true. In um, you have like Mythos of Aluna, where like if you spend red green blue blue you can create a token copy of the creature that then fights the original but i mean that doesn't necessarily kill it supplant form is six mana and it bounces it and you make a copy of it now now it can target your own stuff but like the these effects are all just so much more mana than gilded drake it's and, like phantasmal like, image stapled yeah. to a copy of song of the dryads or, or i guess uh dark steel mutation you know you just invalidate their commander, make it impossible to recast, and then get a copy, right? Like, you're removing it, invalidating it, and, and getting a copy. It's, it's just, it's too much for, for two mana. Too much. Yeah, clearly yeah. balanced for a format where a 3-3 three ma- a, a three, three flyer is, is an actual reasonable, yeah. like, trade. Yeah, it's honestly barely even relevant when you have like a Timna in play. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, I guess you took my Faberol, but now I get a draw card. It's like well, and like, Faberol is probably time... doing you more favors than yeah, exactly. <laughs> that card. Yeah, um, I don't know how much more there is to be said about Gildredrake, but yeah, it's just also so accessible with oh, yeah. Neoform and all these dumb packages. Uh, and you know, <laughs> sneak peek for the next episode. I think. Uh, the the major reason I would like this band has to do with commanders, like the effect it has on commanders. So we'll we'll elaborate on that next time. But um, unless anything, anyone else has anything to say? Yeah, uh, I think we'll just give verdicts. Ban, ban, Reno, banned. <laughs> it is pretty good in banned. It's like the only um, good rule spell in banned. <laughs> okay, so. No gut check, no listener questions. We've gone long enough, taken up enough of your time. Um, yeah. Look out for, I don't know if we'd call it a part three or whatever, but... Yeah, you know, part three of some. our six-part series. <laughs> Let's just, we should just get the episodes out. Yeah. Like, reserve yeah, the Netflix slots. to pick us up for, uh, <laughs> for season two. Classic four-part yeah, yeah, right. Into the ban list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Deathly Hallows, Deathly Hallows part two. Man. Oh my Let's god. Go. No, no, the, the, the real name is The Hobbit Part 3. The Bandless. Yeah. The Bandless Part 3. 50-50 chance of what I'm posting this episode is going to be The Bandless Episode Part 2, Part 1. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. keep subparting yeah, it. We promised it would be a, a two-parter at, at the end of last episode. Yeah, so we're definitely doing Part 2, Part 
part one. I like it. Okay. Uh, so that about wraps it up for this episode. Um, if you guys would like to reach out to us with any questions, comments, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at Into the North Pod via our email, Into the North Podcast at gmail.com, or on our Discord server. The invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. Extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work towards improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a Patreon, we are at patreon.com slash Into North Podcast. Uh, another way you can support us is via our TCG affiliate link uh, sorry TCG player affiliate link uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show uh, anytime you want to purchase something from TCG player uh, if you use our affiliate link uh, which will be in our description for the podcast on your whatever podcast player you're using or on YouTube um, a portion of your purchase goes towards supporting the podcast uh, which is much appreciated thank you as always to the band Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo and to our long suffering podcast editor Roadkill next episode will be out in two weeks until then see ya see ya bye have a good one